0: On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we are exploring a world of infinite possibilities in Netflix's What If, bracing ourselves for some Cold War drama in BBC Two's Summer of Rockets and heading back to the Riviera with Sky for, well, Riviera. All that and Jared Harris swings by for a bit of expanse chat and briefly mentions Chernobyl as well. I'm James Dyer and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, a show that is now officially in mourning because Game of Thrones has finished. It's done. It's over. We can all pack up and go home now because life officially has no meaning anymore. We might as well all bugger off and join the Night's Watch. But don't panic. We're not going to ruin the finale for you just yet. (laughs) Not least of all because uh, we're recording this on Thursday and it hasn't actually happened yet. Uh, No, we're saving all our thoughts, hopes, dreams and analysis for our very last throne-splaining session. A bumper installment of Here Be Dragons which will delve into the episode in full. You can find our last Westerosi interlude at the end of this podcast, safe behind a protective barrier of spoiler warnings. Joining me now as we bid a fond farewell to the Seven Kingdoms are my two Banner Men, well... One banner man and one banner woman. First up is the warden of the north, hailing from the barren wastelands that exist beyond the reaches of civilization. She's our very own Anna Mormont, only slightly shorter. It's Terry of House White. How are you, Terry?
1: I'm all right. How are you?
0: I'm I'm, I'm doing well. Are you Are you sad that you're going to miss the final throne splaining?
1: Uh, no. <laughs>
0: You're not <laughs> well, fine, and that was Terry. Um, no, so Terry's Terry's taking a, what? What's it called? Is it a ho- ho- holi- I'm holiday?
1: Two days holiday. A holiday. Um, which I'm trying to explain the concept of holiday to James. Um, we're not known for taking them on. Empire or pilot? I haven't taken a day off since December, so I'm excited.
0: <laughs> are you gonna? Are you? Are you in fact just going home to watch Game of Thrones? Is that? Is that? Is I'm that not. what it I is? have
1: to say? Right. I know I came into this final season of Game of Thrones as a newbie, and uh, but it has become something of a chore. And maybe it's the fact that I have to get up at five thirty on a Monday so that we can record the um, podcast. But I kind of feel an overwhelming sense of relief <laughs> that it's coming to an end. <laughs> Do you? And wow. so, and interestingly though, our creative director, Chris Lupton, who has been a rabid, passionate Game of Thrones fan from the very first season, he was telling me that he feels the same and he feels he feels quite disappointed in this season and he's not kind of... He doesn't have that sense of overwhelming sadness he'd imagined when coming to the end of the series. So, but what I'm hoping is, because I'm using this to kind of go back, I'm going to watch the final episode even though I'm not going to be here for the podcast and then I'm going to go back to the beginning and start again free of yes. free of bondage free of chains
0: mm. the breaker of chains
1: that's why I said it yeah but no. thank you for explaining uh,
0: it yeah that's, that's a little preemptive people
1: didn't bit of pre-emptive get the
0: reference. For you there. are you uh, going to sign that petition for uh, telling them to remake the final yeah, season yeah <laughs> which <laughs> is the, the worst. most internet thing ever <laughs> <laughs> this is an advanced look at news yes they are uh, they have advanced started a fan news. petition <laughs> to have season of game of thrones remade according 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 to fan directions.
1: It's fucking ridiculous. (laughs) It is moronic. People are the worst.
0: Yes. Yes, they are. Speaking of the worst people, alongside (laughs) Terry and myself is our master of whisperers, the spider at the centre of the web, a scheming manipulator whose little birds reach every corner of the television industry. It's Lord Boyd of House Hilton. (laughs) That's a baldest... You can bring me to Varys, basically. I didn't call you a eunuch. I thought that was actually, you know...
2: (laughs) I mean, yeah.
3: (laughs) Like, small mercies. Yeah. yeah. Sorry for ruining your news story about the Game of Thrones petition.
0: (laughs) <laughs> no, no, see, see, no, you see, you can't see, you, you're, see, you're, you see see see, 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 see. I should just point out, we are, we're slightly late recording today because we had to wait for a celebrity. I'm not name them. We had to wait for a celebrity to come out of the studio. While we were sitting there, Boyd was on his phone. He looked up and went, yeah, he used to be really good friends with him and went back to his emails. And I was just like, of course you did. Of course you did, Boyd. Hmm.
1: What happened?
0: Well, I haven't spoken to him for years. I, I, I grew up past yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. Did you
1: say hello when you Not really. No, him? I didn't. Oh, I didn't yeah, is there I did. tension?
3: No, not at all. No, no, no. Oh. I just didn't want to. It. it was going to. Yeah, I just. Yeah. Remember fine. me? No. No. Yeah, exactly. Boy. It could have been, like been like
1: that. Boyd Hilton. Boyd right. Hilton.
0: No what's that. You're like Alan Parcher. Dan. Yeah. Dan! Yeah. Dan. Yeah. Dan. Kev. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Right. Shall we jump into what we've been watching? And... I think we should start with Terry on this one, and I'd like to know specifically what you've been watching, Terry, maybe last night.
1: So I made a little error, which I've had quite a busy week, right? And I find it quite stressful. We are producing the next issue of Pilot at the moment, which is very exciting, and a big special issue of Empire. Um, So we're all a bit tired and we're all a bit frazzled this week, which I can only kind of put that... Let me do that again. I can only kind of use that as an explanation for what happened last night, which is um I was on deadline, I was writing something. And after I'd done, I got into bed, all cozy. I was like, right, I'm gonna watch all the stuff I need to watch for tomorrow. I'm gonna start with what if, which spoiler, that is what we're gonna one of the things we're gonna review this week. And so I go on Netflix and there's a program called What If on there. And I start watching it and I'm like, hang on, is this in Arabic? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> is there like an Arabic big show coming to Netflix? I was like, oh, I don't know. Maybe maybe this is a thing. And I almost text Boyd and and just thought, am I watching the right show? So I went back into Boyd's email, which he sends us every week to tell us what we're going to be watching. It said there, what if? I looked at the screen from my bed. That said, what if? I was like, okay, I thought, shall I text Boyd? I was like, no, he's had quite a stressful week. And also, you know, I don't want to look like an awful person going oh, why are we doing an Arabic show? Because maybe we should be doing Arabic shows. Yeah. So obviously, I didn't want to be massively culturally insensitive and tone deaf and be questioning that.
0: Oh, the liberal conundrum. <laughs>
1: so I just watched three episodes. Three hours. Of this Arabic drama. Brilliant. It was, I could not tell what was happening. That was a thing. So <laughs> I couldn't really follow it. And I was really confused. Oh. And I was trying to take notes. And I was just kind of, it seemed to be some kind of... Domestic drama and people were very upset. Um, At what point
3: did you realise? Very upset.
1: What time? What, when, when did, did I you realise? Yeah. When I went into Netflix for something else this morning, and there was a different um, <laughs> slide for what for what if, and I was like, "Hang on." So I googled what if Netflix, and <laughs> <on> it pops <laughs> Renee Zellweger's face. You were not in the Arabic drama I was watching last night.
0: <laughs> oh, this is maybe the greatest oh. thing that has happened in the history of this podcast. Oh, I'm very God. excited.
1: On so many levels, I come out with this so badly. You do.
0: I mean, really, on no level
3: are you coming out of this well. So, <sighs> of course, the key thing to remember is that what if the one we are we are reviewing with Renee is what slash if yeah that that's the yeah, that's it's a key. Oh, see, it was a punctuation. There's a, <laughs> there's issue. a punctuation. You tripped it, over the backslash.
1: Off. <laughs> fuck <laughs> off! <laughs> I am not being pulled up over a fucking. backslash. I'm not pulling up
3: over. It, I'm just saying. You know, maybe that's Netflix. Is it a, a backslash
0: or a forward slash? I, think I it's get confused. Forward slash.
3: All no, right. Well, I, either way, who the fuck cares? James Dyer. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. A fucking classic yeah. James Dyer question. Do well, you Is know, it a backslash or a forward slash. I'm just saying. <laughs>
0: perhaps, <laughs> Terry, was if you paid more attention to there things like the niceties. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah.
1: My name's James Dyer. If you paid more attention to the niceties of punctuation, dash. you
0: probably wouldn't have had a foundation course in Farsi <laughs> last night. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> No, I'm worried that I didn't include the backslash <laughs> in my original. In which case, it's fault. It's my fault. Yes. Oh, no, I'm gonna
1: you're check. checking. I'm gonna you're check. going to check. check. I oh, bet you are. I'm
3: I'm you are. Well,
0: let's let's while, while, while Terry checks. What have you been watching, Boyd? I have been watching. So <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, did I yeah. include it? Yeah. Yes.
3: Yeah. Yes. I knew I would. So I'm quite <laughs> a bit of vindication. About that. <laughs> vindication. Anyway, I have been watching Sky Atlantic's brilliant Wednesday night American comedy double bill of Veep and um, uh, Barry. Well, Veep's finished, doesn't it? Veep's finished this week. So Ve- So the Veep finale. Um, I was recording this on Thursday. It was last night, and it was fucking brilliant. It is such an incredible show. Who, who sat the Iron Throne at the end? Um, I'm not going to tell you because people haven't watched it yet. But <laughs> the, it, it was all about you know what is going to happen. So there's an election in America. Um, uh, she's up for it. Um, you know what's going to happen. Ju- Julia is this incredible character she's played for seven and a half years, and they kind of did what they've done, what they do always doing feet, but times a hundred whereby it twists and turns and goes one way to the other. So is she going to win the nomination for president? It went, this way and that, about twenty-five times within the space of forty-five minutes, it was so incredible. And they they did a brilliant thing, whereby because all the way through in Veep, it's been very unsentimental, completely cold, and she's a cold, ruthless, horrendous figure, really, amoral, massively amoral character. Played brilliantly by her, and they just had one or two little moments where her, the, where she herself realised just how what a monster she'd become, and it was so clever. Like at one point. This isn't a huge spoiler. At one point, she basically was challenged: Is she going to agree to back a right-wing, religious, fundamentalist politician over his trying to repeal same-sex marriage, in in order for her to get the um, to get the power she wants? And she kind of does. And that was such a brilliant moment. Like that is how far she's prepared to go. And it was just it was it was a brilliant finale we had like seven episodes in the final season by the way has any show ever had a seven episode what? run it's such an odd it's an odd number it's an it? odd I number mean, it's literally an odd but number in the end it was like they've decided <laughs> no, this why would that
1: make me laugh so. it is funny it is weird <laughs>
3: <laughs> this was the this was the number of um, episodes it took to tell the final story yeah. and they did it really well and let me just mention Barry which has one more episode to go I think in the series which is the penultimate episode we reviewed it when it started a few weeks ago we did and um, episode five which I'm a couple of weeks ago is an absolute legendary piece of TV that everyone's been going on. I mentioned mentioned mm. it last week, which was this fight between the two these two characters, Barry and this other guy, Detective Loach's ex wife's stoner lover, and it's an incredible set piece bit of TV. So those two shows basically
0: catch up with them. Very good, very good.
1: Have I've, you been watching?
0: Well, I've I've staggered into now season four of Sons of Anarchy. If that's uh, if that's useful to you, I also I watched the uh rewatch King. Yes, I, it's all been rewatch stuff for me this week. So I'm up to the West Wing season six episode Friedonia, uh, which is an incredible uh, episode, and it's made even more depressing by obviously the world that we live in now. But there's a bit where, where uh, Santos Jimmy Smith just storms into the TV studio with the money he scraped together to buy one minute. of primetime on air mm. and, and Josh has put together an attack ad for him to use and he won't use it so he walks in and he does it live to camera and he just basically lays out his manifesto you know you may not hear much from me but you'll know that when I, whatever I say I mean it and I'll say it right to your face he goes I'm Matt Santos and you better believe I approved this ad and he gets up and walks off and you're like yeah
1: <laughs> I do not know what just happened but I think that's the closest I will ever come to seeing James masturbate <laughs> yeah.
3: over by the way an a, a ancient episode of the West Wing that <laughs> oh. you must have watched like
1: how many times time. Yeah, so well, good. How did we reenact Which ended with him punching me. <laughs> the-
0: <laughs> I can't punch the air that and excitement so of the West Wing. What are you
1: talking Isn't about?
0: Your, your whole life is one big West Wing rewatch. It is, it's true. I also rewatched uh, a little bit of... Uh, of Battlestar Galactica I am on Six Degrees of Separation oh,
1: God. which is a
0: good episode but frankly I'm not going to tell you about it so there you go Oh, please,
1: please do another like word for word re- recounting a dramatic performance oh,
0: sorry sorry to my mistake there as I did it in English shall I do it again in one of the Arabic dialects just for oh. your for your viewing pleasure <laughs> Brilliant. Right, that's what we're Uh, watching. Funny or Die is still on hiatus, partly for time, but more pressingly, because Terry's impending holiday has forced us to record this on a Thursday and I barely had time to see the shows we needed to review. I didn't have time to watch a comedy. So uh, let's press on with news. Who wants to start?
1: Can I talk about something that we wouldn't normally talk about? Actually, I do this all the time. What am I talking yeah. about? Um, I want to talk about the cancellation of uh, Jeremy Kyle. Um, oh, which, that is that is, well, that is nailed definitely something you TV would yeah. But I think it, I think it That's is good. right. Okay. And I'll tell you why, because I think it's extraordinary. I just wrote a piece about this for Grazia with my Pilot TV hat on. And I think it's kind of extraordinary that in possibly the greatest time for television in history, um, in terms of quality, in terms of cinematic TV, the very reason that this fucking podcast exists, we also have this incredibly binary world in TV where at one end you've got, you know, HBO and, and the rise of Netflix and the rise of quality channels and content platforms. But then at the other end, you still have these shows, which are complete outliers. Like, so um, like benefit. I mean, it started with benefit street, right? But you've still got like on benefits and proud. Um, there's one, which is actually got the word gypsy in the title, which I find extraordinary that that's kind of okay. A word you can't say on social media. You can't say in polite company. It's okay to put it in a fucking TV title. So um. Gypsies on Benefits and Proud is a real show. Benefits, too fat to work. And I think they're all part of the same poverty porn ilk, right? Mm. I think the decision over Jeremy Kyle was completely right. And I actually used to watch it, like, especially when I lived in New York, it, it kind of brought me back home. And it's definitely people that I recognise. You have to acknowledge that the show is the show overwhelmingly... No, no, I used to watch uh, it. Right, right. Overwhelmingly white and working class, right? Although mm. he did have a run on American He did, right? Well, yes,
3: he did, yes. Yeah.
1: Um, But I think it was absolutely right. I think it's kind of nuts that that show still existed, that it still kind of um, platformed people's miseries in a way for sport, in a way for entertainment with no sensitivity. Um, We've seen lots of reports this week from both guests and people who've worked on the show about the way kind of um, things were stoked or not handled properly or guests were kind of, you know, there's a story about a guest being asked to wear a tracksuit because that was deemed more appropriate rather than him looking like a normal human being. So I actually think it is it is it is in our world because I think what makes something like Jeremy Kyle more extraordinary is the fact that it exists at the same time as this cinematic boom. And I actually think TV kind of becoming this incredible place for brilliant qualities, one of the things that suddenly when you look at Jeremy Kyle makes it more extraordinary that mm. that even still was being shown. 22% audience share, a million people an episode. This is like... Mm. Not a few people but it. But it's, it's, it.
0: it's misery, vampirism. And it, it kind of goes to a little bit what Boyd was talking about last week in terms of there are two types of escapism. There's the kind of escapism where it takes you to another place which is better than your life. And then there's comparative escapism where you see someone who's a hell of a lot worse off than you and you feel bad in a really kind of slightly schadenfreude kind of way. That makes you feel better. Um, and this is what that is. But what is also, I'm sure you touched upon it in your Grazia piece, is that they're launching
3: this um wider ranging investigation into what's in quotes called reality TV yeah. which frankly if that stretches from everything from you know that show yeah. to love, love island, island to Big Brother. Hmm. but it also you know made in chelsea's a reality show you know so i th- i think i do have to, people are saying what's the difference between um uh, Love Island and um, and that show. The reason why the, that Jerry Carl show has been going on for the last 14 years and no one's paid blind, a bit of attention to it, you know, in, in terms of the media, you know, apart from Carol Cadwallader, she did a brilliant in expose a long yeah, time ago and it's still <laughs> carried on pretty much, you know, kind of mm. the same way. Is because it is a show watched by the populace yeah. of, a, of a morning and you know, daytime and, you know, us media Types don't give a shit about that kind of stuff. Whereas we do give a shit about what's on HBO. And, mm. But I think there's a. So I think the need to pay more attention is really important. I think because I think all kind of, because it was so popular, and you know, there's all, everyone, all the people working on it thought they were doing. A good job creating this massive phenomenon for ITV. I don't think they. I don't, I don't think anyone took a moment to stand back until this horrible thing happened to go. Wait a minute, what is happening? In yeah, this because, because
1: success, right? Success and there being a need. It's like you know, as we're discovering in this country, there is populist appetite for a lot of things that are yeah. you know unacceptable. There is a in America, there is a far right verging on Nazism problem, yeah. which is about you know, which is a, a, a groundswell of people. I think success does not stop responsibility. Oh, no, of course. And the broadcast. Sure. And I think the audience, I think it's an audience responsibility, but ultimately, broadcasters, they have a duty of care. These people are vulnerable. They're being paraded on TV, mm. often, you know, their biggest humiliations exposed and then tossed back out again.
0: Right. Next on LBC, a UKIPPER <laughs> who has barricaded himself in his own home. James is uh, going to edit all that out. Thanks for that. No, I won't. No, no I will important. not stifle it's Terry's important. free speech. It's important. And and it's, and not it, just because she's basically Daenerys reborn, um, <laughs> but, it's,
1: but it's also, it is intre- The reason. as I say the reason I mention it is I think it's what makes it is extraordinary is that this exists at a time Mm, when fucking you know the shows that we talk about
0: I agree I agree I I despair that people watch stuff like that but then I'm an I'm an entertainment snob speaking of which there's been a raft of Picard news this week and we can all be pretty excited about this so not only do we get our first look of Patrick Stewart as Picard in Picard we also now now know that Picard is literally called Picard or rather Star Trek colon Picard and and we saw the logo which says Picard, and the A is the little... The little uh, what else
1: What else would it be called?
0: <laughs> it could be called like bold, Baldly Go or something. I don't know. <laughs> wow. Uh, I mean, that you would have been amazing. You didn't have
1: that on your sleeve and you just no, thought that. Uh, no,
0: no, I just thought that. That's amazing. Um, and, uh, and, and the A is the, the, the Starfleet symbol, which is very, very cool. And and we learned first, that perhaps, <laughs> apparently the kerning's terrible as well. Our designers really took issue with the kerning on the logo. Um, the, we know that they have, CBS All Access have sold Picard to Amazon for international distribution over here, which is interesting because Discovery is on Netflix and this is going to be on Amazon Prime. So if you don't have Amazon Prime, you're going to need it at the end of the year if you wish to see Picard. And of course, you all do.
1: I'm tempted to cancel mine. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you say that, but when the Picard special comes around and you're both drafted to be in a 16 hour analysis of the first episode, then, you know, you'll need to have seen it.
1: Picard-splaining is the new Throne-splaining. Oh,
0: it is. I was saying this to someone last night. It's like, now that Game of Thrones is over, I'm all about Picard. Anyone else for news? Black Mirror announced
3: its return quite soon on June the 5th on the Netflix... It's going to be three all-new stories from Charlie Brooke and Annabelle Jones. The very exciting cast list includes Miley Cyrus no. in an episode in which... So they put out a trailer and they didn't really... So they haven't explained in any way what each episode does deal with, but then they mushed up all the episodes in the trailer, which is very exciting. But I do think Miley Cyrus is clearly going to be playing some kind of version of a pop star, and I think it's going to be really interesting. And Andrew Scott is going to be in one episode. Topher Grace. I mean, they get great people involved. I'm incredibly excited. Also, I also think it's really interesting that have just done three because we know how much Bandersnatch, the one-off interactive episode, took out of Charlie. Yeah, it took him like two years or something to do. So, but three, I'm excited. You know, three brand new shows with those with those cast members. Good, good.
1: Killing Eve. Killing Boys Eve. Boys and I yes. went to the uh, press screening where we got to see the first two episodes of Killing Eve, um, which is looking like June from what we hear, but it hasn't officially been confirmed by the BBC. Um, and it's interesting because there's no embargo. Clearly, they couldn't enforce one, bearing in mind that, you know, people 3,000 miles away have seen the entire fucking thing. I'm swearing too much today. I apologize. <laughs> well, I stop. I like it. But. Um people a few
3: uh, people hundreds of miles have seen the thing in Ireland. Well, yeah, oh yes. Yeah. Good point. Thanks.
1: Um so, <laughs> so and the, we were talking about it because it's interesting. Cause I had a a kind of a mixed reaction to it, which is fundamentally I really loved it. I mean, I I thought the first season was the best thing on telly last year. So it was no big surprise. But it was interesting because my sensitivities were all around the writing was so precise and exceptional on Series 1. And obviously, as everybody knows, Phoebe Waller-Bridge has stepped away, still exec producing, but there is a new writer, Emerald Fennell. That's right, right? Yeah thank you um, and I was worried that you'd be able to notice the difference and it's difficult because I did think the writing and the pacing was slightly different as it rightly should be she shouldn't do a, a copy of Phoebe she has her own distinct voice um, but it took me a little while especially during the second episode I think I got it by the second episode I was mm. familiar with the rhythm but you were saying to me Boyd which I thought was quite interesting like was it just because I knew it was a different yeah. writer would I have noticed it if I didn't mm. know and went in
3: yeah because it's inter- What I keep trotting out to anyone who will engage with me about the Killing Eve writing story issue is that half the first season was well, not Fem- written yeah. by her by Phoebe Waller-Bridge other writers were brought in and it's got a kind of a more american mm. um, way of it is an american commission of course from BBC yes. America and that, and that and they are using writers rooms and you know specific writers and again this time they will show Emerald Fennell is like the the general showrunner slash writer as Phoebe Wallabridge was showrunner slash writer of the first season but when it actually came down to writing dialogue and scripts they were handed over to other people for half the episodes and I, and I think if I set, set you now the task of judging which ones are written by Phoebe and which ones are written by other writers I'm not sure you'd necessarily get that right and I think I felt this I thought it was I thought the tone you know they talked in the Q&A weren't they They were all talking to the producer and um and everyone was talking about oh she's got a different take on it and they were kind of but I felt they were they were saying you no, she's got such a dark sense of humour, Emerald Fennel. I'm like, Well yes. obviously so does February Bridge. I don't feel quite they could they manage to eke out what was different about her vision. And I don't and for me I, I don't think I would have been able to guess if, if it had been people writing it or not. I just thought it, it stuck with the same what, what made it brilliant those characters um you know the the um there's a kind of intensity to it the heightened intensity to the dialogue mm. and the storytelling there's one moment in episode one there's a kill there's mm. the, the most shocking one so far in some yeah. ways I think which was a whole audience, whole was like audience gasped. Was, it was, it was a brilliant moment um, so all of that was there, and for me it is i find brilliant writers to create this stuff and stick with the tone established by Fubourj.
1: James has, has fallen asleep or yeah, died. My
0: face is the <laughs> bafflement of every listener at the moment.
1: Who all watch Killing Eve?
0: Yeah, but I haven't seen the one you're talking about. Um, <laughs> Right. Okay. Well, I've got some <laughs> slightly less villain news. So I went into into Apple last week to have a look at the new Ooh, TV app to kind you. of get get into the next show. I think it rolled out on on devices this week, actually. So the new Apple TV app, which you can, look at, it, it, it draws in all the different channels. So it draws in Amazon, like Channel Four is in there, iPlayer, ITV, all of the different apps, the disparate apps, which you're so used to going into the individual ones to watch your stuff. It centralises them on the home screen, and while we're not a hundred percent there yet with this stuff. Like, for example, the glaring omission is Netflix, which Netflix oh. have at the moment not What's agreed to be part of it. yeah, yeah, yeah they, the they did
1: the deal. But it, it's it, right, right? Because Sky got Netflix to do the deal, which may be the reason why. Perhaps, perhaps. And yeah. me, it was really important yeah. to Sky, who have who after seeing them as competition, I believe, went, mm. you can't get away from the fact that our customers watch a load of Netflix and actually they want ease of navigation. Yeah, it,
0: may, it may quite possibly be that. But it, it, it felt to me like this has to be the future of television in terms of amalgamating stuff into one place because we're getting to the point now where when Apple Plus starts which of course will be part of this service and when Disney Plus starts and then when every other Plus starts do you know what I mean? It's mm. like it's going to get to the point and Hulu we need Hulu as well, <laughs> well You know, once all this stuff rolls out in the UK because Americans already have this problem it's going to become unwieldy to constantly have to keep diving in and out of different applications and you're going to need a way for all this stuff to appear in one place and I think their idea of having it all in one place and you can add subscriptions to Stars Play or whatever else as you go and it will join the filter of stuff has to be where where everything goes
1: but i think there's a there's a layer within that right because there's ease of navigation just as you say where i want all my apps in one place Mm. so at the moment for example on my telly it's a fairly basic telly i go into my apps and they're all there individually i just have to scroll through apart from Mm. amazon which is still on a fire stick um but then there's a not the, the person who cracks the curation and correct algorithm on throughout all of those yeah. apps right who develops the software which will yeah. l- which will scan your viewing preferences
0: well this is what the apple it will do that Yeah, for it you. does that. So it, goes, it gives you curated stuff based on the stuff that you have Amazing. available. Th- th-
1: then that's yeah, what so
0: I it's want. doing exactly what you want, but, not but not it Netflix. doesn't have Netflix. So therein <laughs> yeah. lies so the it's problem. <laughs> so when It's not pointless.
1: Sorry, <laughs> <It's> Apple. <pointless.
0: laughs> <laughs> they will have Netflix on board. They eventually. will, I'm sure, if at some point Netflix have Netflix. It's pointless. Well, the, there are other things available than Netflix. <laughs> but
1: how much of your viewing is Netflix per week, would you say, in all honesty? I mean, a lot,
0: yes. That's Admittedly, that's true. But at the moment, then, I suppose the Netflix app is there, so you just right have to go into the Netflix app or everything. Else is together, so at least that is a benefit. So it's not like you can't get Netflix on it; it's just not pulled into the the the, the pool with the all way. the other stuff. Perfect. But I'm just saying, like, because this is to me, this is the big problem with TV at the moment. It's like the the amount of choice and the fact that it's all separated in these little gated areas yeah. is quite frustrating. So it's nice to see people, you know, trying to presumably that that Apple's problem. going to prioritize Apple Plus in its in, in its... its algorithm. Yeah, sure. I mean, that's entirely possible. I mean, but it it's insane. not it's, it's not there time. yet. I bet they do. So that and that'll be part of it, I guess, when yeah. it launches later it this be weird year. If it wasn't.
1: <laughs> I don't know I think and, you know let's be honest this is where pilot came from and what pilot's yeah. power is is it's hard I think for brands who produce content to be truly agnostic because they have a vested interest mm. and I think it's always going to come down to external brands to be the people to actually make the true curation for you like pilot tv for example yes. Yes.
0: That, that's terry's please buy the magazine and please continue <laughs> listening to this podcast thank you very much for listening to my ted talk uh, <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, the Walt Disney Company has assumed full control of Hulu, which they didn't. It's, it's a weird share percentage thing. It's not very interesting, but suffice it to say, <laughs> this reinforces my argument that they are keeping Hulu for Hello. adult content and Disney Plus is going to be family friendly. I, main, I stand by this theory. I absolutely think it's true.
3: Yes, I agree. Talking of Hulu, I went to the uh, Catch 22 2 premiere last night, uh, which is a Hulu uh, Channel 4 production. It will mm. be on Channel 4 soon. And um, George Clooney was there. And so is Hugh Laurie. And they kissed. Okay, good. Yeah, that to the highlight of the whole thing. I'm Absolutely. not at liberty to say what I think of the show because it's yeah. heavily embargoed. Ah, uh, okay. But, you, but the kissing was good. Let's have a kissing look. The kissing was fucking brilliant.
1: Give me a clue. Yeah.
3: I'm nodding. Actually, I think I'm, I think I saw something. You can tweak about it. Like, yeah, I mean, it is You really can do good. a
1: reaction yeah, right, with that review. It's really good. Is it really good? <laughs> it's really good.
3: Or is, it's really is good. it
1: quite good? It's really good. Yeah.
3: How, if, like, here's, here's a weird thing, right? This, this, this was weird. So it's a six-episode limited series. Version of the classic novel Catch Twenty Two, they showed episodes one and six. Yes. That's with Demented right, in the middle a linking kind of montage. I know, that's isn't awful. that weird? Awful, awful. A link a montage of all episodes in between. So you come not of it going, well, I thought it was really good. I'd
1: but have walked out. <laughs> would you? So, yeah, so yeah, you've got a
0: really odd decision there. Like you're showing do you show them the whole show? Do you show them the, but if you show them the whole show, then you might have put me off. It is it's weird. It's a catch twenty two. tell you why they, it's a
3: catch <laughs> twenty two, that's brilliant. I'll tell you why they did it though.
1: catch of um, really that one sold. is
3: really tough But I not have to reaction
1: cams in yeah, this show
3: that's we my should. smug face but the reason they did it is because Six has this incredible sequence which directed by George Clooney and I think they thought this is our absolute incredible sequence that is going to go down
0: history for this show we have to show this episode but it was really weird Okay, yeah, More than that, I cannot say. Uh, loads of stuff's been cancelled this week. Have you seen this? So Lethal Weapon, which none of us watched, oh, was cancelled after three exactly. seasons. Uh, the Passage got cancelled after its first season, which is a real shame, because I enjoyed The Passage and I was very interested to see what they went with, where they went with season two when they do the time jump into the future and, and the whole show kind of changes tap. But we will never know, because that's been cancelled. Yeah. Uh, and Angie Tribeca has been cancelled after four seasons. Uh, I've never watched that, but I heard it was good. <laughs> So, so you're yeah, not going to miss it. Some 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 death of shows there. Mm. Can I
3: mention, this is this is slightly not, uh, pilot, even more slightly not pilot TV. Well, it is because I am on a major television program that goes on for three hours next Sunday, the 26th of May, eight o'clock on Gold, in which I help decide Britain's Greatest Comedian. Are
1: you plugging, hang on. Yeah. So you're plugging yourself I mean, enough, on the well, telly. For
3: three effing hours, me, Stephen Mangan, other people deciding who the greatest comedian was. I mean, you know, I thought people listening to this show might want to see me for three I was on TV. Who was the
0: greatest comedian, Boyd?
3: I'm not telling you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's clever. Yeah. Also,
1: um, Boyd, I just posted a picture of James. Well, a video actually of James looking smug on the internet. And uh, when it posted, the app then came back to life, Instagram. And there's Boyd with oh, Emma yeah. Thompson. Oh, yeah.
0: God, you, you met are Thompson. the worst. Yeah. You are the worst. Right, it is time for this week's guest. The incomparable Jared Harris has, as he recently declared on Twitter, been shot six times by variously a Gatling gun and by a U-boat. Uh, he's been eaten by sharks, hurled over the Reichenbach Falls. He's been bludgeoned with a chair leg, roasted by Mount Vesuvius, hung twice, died in his sleep and been split in half by the space-time continuum. And not many of us can say that. Despite all of that ordeal, he swung by the Pilot TV podcast to talk about the awesome Chernobyl, which is still airing on Sky Atlantic and Boyd Now TV. And so naturally, the first thing I asked him was about The Expanse. Have a listen. (laughs) Welcome to the Pilot TV podcast,
2: the legendary Mr. Jared Harris. Wow, legendary. Legendary. I think that's a bit pushing it a bit but thank you see see, it would be
0: except i have become slightly famous on this podcast for banging on about the expanse which of ah.
2: course
0: uh, you are in
3: yeah he really does he banged on about the expanse pretty much every week solidly for about a month it's true and did you watch it i watched a bit of it and i was impressed a bit of a it. bit of it yeah yeah i mean i had to watch everything else as well at the same time yes. but you know yes. it is it is a really clearly a really good quality it's does. a really it's
2: smart show
0: yeah I mean, (laughs) I was going to say this to the end, but let's jump straight into it, because let's be honest, of course, this is why we're here. Um, But it's an interesting show, not least of all, because like your character, Anderson Dawes, is very heavily, shall we say, accented. Mm. How how was getting the patois of the belter loader?
2: I was offered quite... Like when you order a curry, they said mild, medium, or spicy hot. And I said, oh, I'm the Uber original um, OPA. Uh, I want the the, hard, the strongest, harshest ones you, you have. And uh, I wish it was delightful because it's really strong. It's something that can get your teeth into and there's sort of immediate a lot of character started to come from it yeah uh, there was a lot of attitude that came from it because it's such a really strong definitive way of speaking and expressing yourself um so yeah it helped a lot i loved it
0: did they give you a, a specific sort of template or did they leave it up to you to kind of there
2: is it? a dialect coach mm. they, there's actually a language that has been developed and then um a belter language and then there's a dialect coach who who's teaching people how to how, how it would sound because you can write the language but then you have to figure out what's it yeah. going to sound like um so and he is there to teach everybody who comes in and you, each actor can make their own who's a belter can make their own decision about how strongly they want to identify
0: mm and it's it's a shame cuz the show kind of got cancelled but was rescued by the streaming gods
2: by Amazon by, yeah, which is by Bezos because he, he's a huge exciting. fan of the show as well and he went no I'm not letting this one go and he he picked it up he L- bought it yeah I love him for that Are we are we going to see Anderson Doors again I I have not gone back to it and uh, as far as I know I'm not aware of any plans but you know I who knows yeah. If
3: Bezos is a fan surely he should Yeah he demands you return
2: <laughs> Yeah. I, I guess he hasn't. Uh, it's still time. Oh I'll, I'll get, get in touch. Yeah, I'll get in touch. I, I, I'll hit him. Because I know they're doing another one. They've done yeah. they did four and I know they're doing a fifth. So. Yeah. It depends where the where where the story's going because mm. if you follow everyone into the uh, other worlds then you're going to leave the belters behind aren't you that's
0: very true but I did know I, en- I enjoyed it a lot I met uh, Thomas Jane on the set of The Predator and let's be honest I spent most of my predator interview banging on about The Expanse as well right. it's a theme here
2: as well we probably shouldn't bang on too no, long we about should it. probably
3: discuss
0: the
2: actual show yeah. we're here to talk but about but I'm, I'm glad I, obviously now I know that you at least have excellent taste there we go jury's out on you because you oh, didn't finish get,
3: it
0: hold on wait till we get to Mad Men
2: now uh, I've watched every single <laughs> episode of
3: Mad
0: Men yeah let's just purpose that we we are, of course, here to talk about Chernobyl, which is airing on at Sky Atlantic. I don't think it's overstating things to say this is is an incredible dramatisation of of the the eighty six Chernobyl disaster, but it's also one of the most harrowing things I've seen in a very long time. How did you react when you read that screenplay?
2: Uh, I said yes, one hundred percent. I want to, I want to be in, I want to be in this. I want to get on board. I want to be part of it. It was a, it was. A, Page Turner, I was yeah. gripping, and you—it's one of these things where you—you—you are you, aware of what happened, and so you think you have an idea of what happened, and you obviously I didn't. Um, and the thing that got me, that moved me right away, was all those the stories of of uh, of the heroism that um, a lot of uh, people did—they they sacrificed their lives to try and contain the situation without any expectation of being remembered. That history would know who they were or what they had done. Mm. As you say, because everyone
0: knows what Chernobyl is vaguely, but no one really, I think, understands a what happened, but b what very nearly
2: happened. Right, which is a whole other layer. Absolutely. I mean, we, we came very very close to a continent-wide catastrophe, and which would have also had a planetary effect. I mean, you know, the the water supply there that those rivers go into the ocean, mm. um, and uh, and as it is, you know, the area that's been affected is still enormous. Um, and will continue to be affected for I think was it 25,000 uh, 25, years or something 50,000 years it, it'll have completely dropped off the normal levels after 50,000 years can people still go there now is that there's adventure tourism you go with guides um, you have to sign a waiver that tells you, you know, if something bad happens to you that you knew what you were doing they go in with a guide who's got a Geiger counter and there are paths that are perfectly safe but mm. if you do wander off the path there's actually an episode of Anthony Bourdain's Parts Unknown where he Goes into, uh, he's in Kiev and they go to Chernobyl and they wander off the path and then go, Oh, look, we've got a Geiger counter. Let's see if it works. And they switch it on and it goes nuts. Wow. Absolutely <laughs> nuts. Nice. And then it cuts and then you see they're back somewhere else because everybody ran for it.
3: Yeah. Was it always the, the first episode's got a really interesting, A, it starts with your character mm-hmm. k- k- killing himself, which is an interesting what? way in. Spoiler what? alert, but that's in the first. It's, <laughs> it's in, the first in the first I think we could get away with that. It's <laughs> that's literally the first scene. Scene. That's right. So yeah. that, I mean, that was, was that always there in the script that you read? Yes, in the it was, yeah. And then to have, to present the the disaster itself without any big build-up showing the backstory of any of the characters, we just meet them dealing with this horrendous moment. I thought that was such a bold and interesting way of doing it because the normal kind of disaster yeah. movie way is to you'd show have the give characters us the and right. their lives yes.
2: and, you'd have, you know, and then it would have blown up at the end of yeah. the first episode. Mm, yeah. I, you know, Craig ha- has talked about this and he said, well, we all know it exploded. Why, why are we going to wait? Let's start there. And he very, actually what he's done, is he's, he's a very, very, very smart, um, man, a smart writer, and he teaches a, a very famous, uh, he has a p- famous screenwriting podcast. So he understands structure of storytelling really well, and what he actually done is he figured out a way that in the fifth episode you go back oh, and cool. you sort of, you you see what happened and how it happened and why it happened. So you go into sort of micro detail of uh, of that night. So you kind of get That's a chance pretty- to see it happen twice mm-hmm. is what happens. But, um, and then by then you, you realize the stakes that were involved, but also that fifth episode is a courtroom drama. So it's an attempt to, uh to get, there's an opportunity to get the truth out because at this point they realize that there's, there's a design flaw and they, um and they don't want to, they're keeping it quiet because they don't, you know, whatever you'll, you'll see what happens.
0: Yeah. But it's interesting that I mean the principal characters aren't really introduced until episode two at all. Like it's a it's a, it's an interesting sort of setup. You you think you know what the show is, and then actually it switches, and you you yourself and and Stellan and Emily all kind of appear.
2: Yeah, again, it's I think it's by design. Is that there's a slight there's a it's a each episode is slightly different in yeah. that. I mean, that first episode' almost like a horror movie, yeah, very, mm. much, so. very um, much so and it's told from a subjective point of view because it's told from the point of view of the people who hadn't been told the truth, didn't know what they were dealing with, certainly the first responders mm. and um, and they rush into thinking they're dealing with just a regular fire and not realizing what they're dealing with, of course, and we know, and then on the other hand, you see it's the people who are in denial of what's happened. Mm. Um, and then there's people there within that group who have completely understand what's happened, but they're being told that it didn't happen. And yeah, I mean, it's just so many different yeah. ways of looking at that thing. It's a very smart way of doing it.
0: The level of denial and kind of gaslighting that yeah. goes on is actually quite extraordinary yeah. in this. You like the, the institutional failings at yeah. every single turn. You can't help thinking that, you know, if they'd actually been open to possibilities, they could have sorted this all out a lot quicker.
2: Yeah, well again so that's where you find out I don't give too much away but that's, there's a there's a there's a I suppose a secret if you like there's a lie that's been told yeah. to them all that that's uh, which becomes the the primary sort of spine of episode 5 mm. yeah And
3: did you when once you'd once you'd seen the script and once you um, got the wrong good degree
2: to, to, to join and the Stanley series. Daniel have turned it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he gets off at everything. <laughs> did you then think? Well, he quit you... acting. So yeah, <laughs> he gave us all a chance. <laughs> He's probably
0: working as a nuclear
2: physicist. Uh, yeah, even. right. I mean, yeah. So you probably yes. So yes. Did you then
3: do your own? Did you go and look into the whole story yourself, or did you did you rely pretty much on the script? Was it? Did it kind of arouse interest generally in how ha- in, in looking at ha- what really happened? Yeah, you d-
2: I did research. I started to read. Uh, There's lots of books on it and um I, you, there's uh, documentaries and you, you dive into all of that stuff i also uh, as my character is based on a real person mm-hmm. so i did a dive into that as well you start to try and find um materials that are available ideally what you start to look for is you uh, video uh, footage of somebody, so you can see how they move. Audio, so you can mm. see what they sound like. Um, anything that's been written, or anything where they've been quoted themselves, so you can try and get an idea of what how they thought, how they presented themselves. But the Soviets had pretty successfully erased him from the story, so there wasn't a lot.
0: Right, because mm. he, I mean, he was almost instrumental in making the world take a closer look at this, wasn't it? I mean, his suicide was kind of a turning point internationally.
2: It was a statement. Yeah. He, he, um he he realizes pretty quickly that it, it's the worst case scenario that he could have imagined when he gets to chernobyl that it's going to take months to fix mm. that they're going to have to be there the whole time that the the level of radiation that they're going to be uh, exposed to over that period of time it's unquestioned and that they are going to sustain damage, and that their life, his life expectancy, is going to be significantly shortened. So he's already dying at that mm. point, and he decides to to try to effect a change with by making a statement with his his death.
3: You mentioned the uh, the accent issue in Expanse. In this show, interestingly, all the British people seem to are speaking in their own, their normal accent. Was mm. that a decision that Craig? said so at the start or did yeah, it give up to you? Yeah,
2: I mean it's it's that's a sort of it's a weird thing for people to bump on because, you know, I watch Westerns all the time and, you know, they have American <laughs> accents, which of course they wouldn't have <laughs> right. spoken. Yeah, yeah. Or you look at like Gladiator and they all speak English or uh, um yeah, I I think it first of all, they wouldn't have had Russian accents. They are mostly Ukrainian and Belarusian. Um and then you would have had to hire uh, dialect coaches yeah. A people's facility with acts. If you were going to take that route, you would hire Ukrainian and Belarusian yeah. actors yeah. and get them to speak English. Yeah. But that becomes a whole different thing because that's a that means it's a Ukrainian production, and this wasn't. This is mm-hmm. a British and American production. So I mean, it's particularly targeted for for these audiences mm-hmm. here, and then for a worldwide audience. So, um, uh, you know, I I don't I didn't oh,
1: it completely makes sense. A, yeah, it was a it, question yeah. Yeah. that
2: they thought about and tried to figure out how to deal with it. And actually um, there is a sort of delineation because actually the, um, uh, the the political elite are mostly being played by Swedish actors. Hmm. Um, The scientists are mostly being played by actors with the the RP accents. And then the, the sort of working class people, the miners and that they, those actors were encouraged to, to, highlight their regionalism oh, so there is a sort of right. uh there is a rationale in the way that the uh, the accents were used oh that's intriguing. i think yeah.
0: it's a smart decision i think yeah. tonally like if everyone's putting on east european accents you yeah. run the risk of toying with fast don't you and it's
2: just at some you point you just sit there and go why are they doing accents <laughs> yeah. it's just yeah. then again, you're in the
0: hunt for red october and you don't need it's that
2: it's weird you know yeah. You are seem
3: to like at the forefront. This show feels like it's a, a, you know it's a kind of thing that couldn't have been made almost five ten years ago. It's so technically mm. incredible the way it, you know depicting that disaster in such an extraordinary detailed way. Mm. Did it feel that way to you that this was the time to do it because it you have we have the. Capability, if you like, to depict everything that's going on in this in this way, and it's part of how television now, you know, is, is cinematic and it has the budget and it has the ambition to deal with this kind of story.
2: Yeah, I would imagine. Uh, well, obviously, by the time that I got involved, a lot of those questions had already been answered, so I wasn't I wasn't in the room when those things were being decided. But of course, that the the production challenges is and how you're going to overcome is a big important question, and and if the budget is too big, a story like this. Doesn't get made, so yes, there needs to be um, there needs to be certain innovations have to have been made. But I would have thought that the other question that would be asked is why this story and why now? Mm-hmm. And in that sense, it has tremendous resonance with what's happening in mm-hmm. in uh, well, you know, yeah, what was that UN announcement yesterday? The whole thing about the climate change, climate science, the you know, uh, 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 there's a we live in a political culture now where you can dismiss science and the facts as being fake news and things isn't real and you can choose your own reality. And yeah, yeah. it's It's,
3: routine, isn't it? I mean, distrust, a refusal to believe what scientists are telling us is is extraordinary, isn't
0: it? Especially in America. I mean, it it came across, Legasov in particular is so important here because he's the first one really prepared to speak truth to power about this issue that reluctantly don't want to really, yeah but
2: reluctantly, he, do he, but he realizes that it's too big and he has to but it's not because he wants to it's just because mm. he is part of that system he he's a party member and um and, he, and that means he understands the stakes involved because you if you become too big and irritant they shoot you in the back mm. of the head or you end up in <laughs> siberia you know yeah so um uh, yeah he's a I, I saw, saw his stories as he was a reluctant hero mm. I'm not naturally courageous or brave Um, you know, a moral person but he he would rather if he could choose that it was someone else would be <laughs> couldn't that guy do it
0: <laughs> but it's I mean the parallels feel incredibly strong especially that scene where Emily Watson walks into that party mm. member and yeah. is basically saying I'm telling you this she's like well I prefer my opinion yeah. she's like you used to work in a shoe factory yeah. you know and it just feels that we are in that era isn't it where scientists are just screaming into the wind
2: well it's part of the whole dismissal of the opinions during your Brexit debate here which was that yeah. there were, you know Specialized knowledge of is elitist. Yes, you know, we'll is go. elitism. And mm. um, if you spent your life studying a subject, you're an elitist. And uh, and it's and it's politically inconvenient for at that time in the Soviet Union there was a there was a narrative, and their narrative was the Soviet Union is a perfect state, nothing could go wrong, so therefore this didn't happen. And um, and the uh, I suppose that for me the thing that that I, I my takeaway from it is the idea that. Uh, if the people in the, the story, the regular people, have become so cynical to the expectation of being able to hold their state, their government to account, to be able to hold tr- uh, truth, speak truth to power, they've given up. And once that happens, it's really dangerous. Uh, you have to, you have to keep trying, you know, because uh, it only happens. Things will only happen and things get changed when you successfully get through and I mean you may not get through to the person you're trying to get through to it maybe to different people but yeah. there's a sort of a, a wellspring that occurs
3: there's an interesting um I'm sorry macabre connection between your character in this and your character in Mad Men yes I'm even, I'm asking about Mad Men. Mad Men I wonder what it's gonna be yes but my question <laughs> mm, about let Mad Men is <laughs> <my> <laughs> You join that hanging on to yes. your every word. <laughs> Both characters. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Take their own lives, hang themselves. In you joined Mad Men in the third season. Did you already know by then? No, I think I think now. No,
2: no? you didn't know. Episode ten, and I die in episode twelve of season three. Right. He told me after the read through. episode ten. Wow. Yeah, and he they famously wouldn't tell anybody anything absolutely anything sometimes i mean you could understand because the rationale was well you don't know what's going to happen after you this interview finishes and yeah. you walk you go home who knows what's going to happen so you don't know what's going to happen the rest of your story so why would your character sure. so, you know it's not important important but there are some things that would help you with uh w- with making choices so but they yeah they wouldn't tell you anything and when you
3: when you joined that series, in, after having you know the first mm-hmm. couple of series, were you, were you, did you think already this is an
2: incredibly special show? Did you, did you? Think I, I was only signed on for one episode. Okay. Um, and and Matt said, and they they the way they pitched it was, well, we're not quite sure. We know we need this character for the one episode, and we'll see what happens. If he if he likes what you're doing and he's interested in your character and what you do with it, then he, he might have you back for a few more. Um, and so they kept writing me on another episode, another episode, another episode. I'm not totally convinced that that's true because he, before the season starts, they've, they've had a writer's room for three months and he's mapped out the entire show for every single character. Right. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he, he, because he knows what happens, it doesn't mean you're going to see it because he, he'll have stuff happen off screen and it will affect something that you see on screen. So mm. I think that's part he hadn't quite decided on. And that show's become,
3: I think, you know, it's, it's one of a handful maybe of, of, of series that are regarded quite rightly. Sure. I think as an all-time classic
2: example. It's always on top ten lists of yeah. best TV shows ever. And when you were yeah. in it, were you aware of how good it was? Were you aware- Everybody knew. Well, I mean, was by, by the time I was there, of course, it was a giant hit. Um, they didn't know that when they did the pilot, and they didn't know that when they shot the first season. But it got this amazing reception uh, from the press – um, and uh, from the awards, from the Golden Globes, and they they start, so they got that kind of attention. But then the next thing that happens was it started to influence the culture. So uh, it changed the way men dressed. Um, by season three, uh, the costume designer Janie Bryant had had a deal with Banana Republic to make and design clothes, a, a line of clothes for men, Mad Men. Men' clothes, mad men's women' clothes that you could go in and and pull off the shelves and and get fitted for, and um it changed the how people were relaxing. They were going out to clubs and listening to jazz, and <laughs> that changed the way people drink. Cocktail con- culture completely changed, so it was impacting yeah, The old yeah, thing. Yeah, it impacted yeah. the culture in a way that was far beyond the number of people who were watching the episode each week, because I don't think that number ever got higher than. Three and a half or four million, yeah. you know, without the plus seven or the, you know, the right. plus 14. So, uh, yeah, it, it was that that yeah. did it. By then, by the time I was on it, that had already happened.
0: Jared, thank you very much for coming in. Thank, thank you. you. Bless Thanks. you.
2: Cheers. That was Jared
0: Harris and Chernobyl airs currently on Sky Atlantic on Tuesdays from 9pm and is also available on Now TV. Can we just say that Chernobyl as well is is an incredible
3: show that it I think is. is getting a massive, a big, big, yeah, big um, word of mouth um, thing because I think you know the more you watch of it, the more incredible it is. I oh, think it's, people it's, like David McDeal yeah. on Twitter going, "This is one of the most
0: incredible shows." So yeah. it's, it's it's phenomenal. Uh, it's time, and and what else is phenomenal, Boyd, Is that it's time now for this week's reviews? That's exciting. So that was an excellent link there. <laughs> um, beginning with. What If. uh, What If, of course, being the English title. Terry, what's the Arabic for What If?
1: Apparently, What If.
0: Right, there we go. Uh, This is Netflix's new anthology show, or is it, Terry? Uh, This is Netflix's new anthology show from revenge creator Mike Kelly. Uh, It's a neo-noir that and I quote from the press release, explores the ripple effects of what happens when acceptable people start doing unacceptable things. The release goes on to say, each season will tackle a different morality tale inspired by culturally consequential source material and the power of a single, fateful decision to change the trajectory of an entire life. There you go. They're not underselling it. So if we assume that Mike Kelly is an acceptable person. Has he done an unacceptable <laughs> thing with What If? Telly. Uh, uh, telly, I mean, telly, <laughs> telly. Telly. Telly, 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 White. telly White. Yeah, that's your new name, Telly White. Telly. Oh. Tell, tell us oh Telly. Terry. Uh, oh. And feel free to review either this or, or your one. You know. So I
1: was um, I was confused by the Arabic What If. Um, There's a lot of screaming in it. <laughs> um, I was slightly less confused by the other What If. So I have to say, I fucking love this. It's deranged... Campus Christmas. Like somebody, if anybody confused by the Met Gala theme just needed to watch this show. It opens with Renée Zellweger, this incredible scene where she's talking, recording a speech into a dictaphone. And it goes, everything happens for a reason. Think about that for a second. She's literally talking to a sen, right, yep. at this point. <laughs> and it's, it's this speech about fate and destiny and choices and all of this. And it's the, she starts talking about the shackles that society put on us of marriage and love and children and... Um, and basically it sets up, it's a very convoluted, ridiculous, overblown way to set up the premise. Um, and she's a, she ends this bit right with, um, nothing worthwhile is ever achieved without sacrifice. True greatness comes to those willing to pursue it. And then she goes, at any cost, and she gets an envelope right at any cost in big black letters on it. It's the most ridiculous, overblown thing. The score is the most kind of operatic, crescending, crashing, <laughs> it's very, very, very nineties noir sex thriller, which they know because they reference it at one yeah. point. So they go, "What?" So the um, uh, the uh, young wife, whose name I've now forgotten, boy, you'd help me out.
3: Which uh, is well, played by Jane Levy. Yes, yeah, but I can't remember the character's name. Does it matter?
1: And she, basically, she goes, <laughs> no, it She goes, "The whole idea was ripped right out of a mid nineties movie," and Renee Zellweger goes. I thought that film was quite decent. Yeah. It's like and that's the kind of exchange you'll <laughs> we'll see in this film. And it I have to say having watched Indecent Proposal on Saturday because it was on telly it Good was on ITV too. There it is essentially a rip-off. Yeah, it it's a
0: complete proposal. rip-off. But
1: to r- the point where referencing that
0: does not excuse now, it. And
1: to the point where I don't know if you clocked it there are a couple of absolute thi- so obviously there is the Indecent Proposal in and of itself with a gender flip, um, he's hot, objectified, etc etc. Mm. I think they're being smart, they're not. Um and there's a bit where <laughs> she runs to try and stop yeah, in the rain and everybody remembers Woody Harrelson running to the suite and then up to the roof and the helicopter taking off everybody remembers that everyone also remembers when he found the card from Gage in Demi Moore's purse there's a bit where she found I mean there are it's not nods there are literal kind of specifics of the plot I, it's honestly so ridiculous and I loved every second of it.
0: Yeah, it's, I, I like oh, I, so I'm no, watching no, this. No. Thank you, Boyd. <laughs> 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 this is the indignity we I have. of the gibbering. One, but had, a gibbering but, wreck. I mean, in many so ways, in many ways, gibbering was what this was. I mean, this was absolute nonsensical drivel. Like <laughs> it, it's it's however, however, it's strangely compelling. Like it's so overblown, it's so camp, it's so earnest and so ridiculous. Re- ridiculous and it's just emotionally manipulative and a rip off of indecent proposal and in many ways, not big or clever. And it's not even just them. So that you've got their indecent proposal, you've got her friend who's cheating yeah. on her husband. Like everyone in this is making bad life decisions. And you're you're trying to care. And the thing that I hated most about this is that it actually made me want to watch the second one. Yes. And I felt really dirty when I queued up episode two. Like I should know better. Like I watch a lot of good TV. I objectively know this is just dreadful and yet I couldn't <laughs> tear myself away from it and I just I can only assume this is what goes through people's minds when they watch things like Jeremy Kyle like you know it's like junk food but you can't tear yourself
1: away but you're right right? because it's full of millennial couples they've all married yeah. young They're, yeah. they've all got this old fashioned traditional morality around and you don't root for any of them no. you're like she's cheating on her husband you're like crap whatever, mom, whatever. Yeah. and I've got I'm normally quite moralistic about all that stuff and they're so Merylistic. irritating. Yeah. Merylistic. Merylistic. <laughs> like, <my> Merylistic. <laughs> moralism.
0: I'm what Merylistic.
1: Whatever Meryl thinks, I agree with. <laughs>
0: what but would Meryl think?
1: I couldn't, I couldn't care about no, any of them. didn't and do a And yet it didn't ruin yeah. my viewing yeah. yeah. experience. But it's, it was
0: the twist. Like, like, you're like, because the whole crux of this is he's not allowed to tell her in a contract yes. what happened during the night. Yes, and is, you get the sense that... Yeah what happened was not what she thinks oh, happened. my favourite thing of the whole thing, and I absolutely love this fucking programme, this is like literally
3: made for me, this is ca- my catnip, <laughs> is the moment where he comes back from the night, the mysterious night yeah. that she's paid for with the hunky young man and and something's happened and he's like, he's like injured and he's like, what has she done to him? It's so funny. I know. And your mind's like, thinking, what are the different options? I like literally are running through like 10 different options of what happened in the night of bad
0: And you have to know. Yeah. Well, you have to yeah. know. It
1: re- reminded me bizarrely of Gavin and Stacey the very first episode where Smithy and Nessa go into the toilet and you hear him screaming in pain and the toilet brush being knocked over and he's screaming and there's an illusion that she put something somewhere she shouldn't have done and it reminded me of that in that there's been some terrible cataclysmic sex happening. Yeah,
3: it is Brilliant. It's Fatal Attraction, Nine and Off Weeks, Jacket Edge, Basic Instinct, Sliver, and Indecent Proposal, all wrapped in one, which I could not be happier to see. And done brilliant that they've given it, you know, that's the brilliant thing about Netflix. So it's so lavishly over it is. the top. It is. And luxuriating in its, as you say, campness and, and the fact that we get to see this ultra rich woman at the center of it and her incredible Manhattan life. No, it's not Manhattan, is it? San Francisco. Yeah. Incredible San Francisco. And I think the whole thing is they literally go, right, we're remaking um, Indecent Proposal so if we mention it it'll be fine yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they have so many basic instinct like locations yeah. and shots, shots. Yeah. references it's like if we're this explicit about it no one will ever go this is fine it's all fine <laughs> and it kind of works <laughs> and I love it. it I absolutely love it cannot wait to watch the
0: whole thing oh god I, I just I feel I, I feel frankly soiled by no. my connection to this I show s- but I am going to keep watching it I
1: started watching the second episode
0: <laughs> so did I, <laughs> I
1: really tell, like, doing archery yes. I was honestly oh my God, yeah. laughing my head she's off she's the
3: time of her life isn't she yes.
1: she's never been better no, I have to say never been better
3: brilliant bit of casting because you know it could be different, more different from Bridget Bloody Jones and all that
1: yeah but also <laughs> it isn't what I love is Dayan. even though she is this kind of predatory aggressive it's it isn't that archetypal middle-aged woman mm. kind of trying She's it, there's something much more interesting. Yeah, in she's her being a twat.
0: It's not lustful. She's <laughs> yeah. just being a twat. And she's
1: doing like Gage, right? So if you think about *Indecent Proposal*, yeah. John Gage said that he was essentially what he was toying with with the concept that people can't be bought. He was toying with the extremes of um capitalism. He was actually f- they tried to present it as him philosophically toying mm-hmm. with them as opposed mm-hmm. to just wanting to fuck Demi Moore. Um, and I think they were doing the exact same yeah. thing here. Also, it kind of helps that that guy's are, like. Raging moron. <laughs> he
3: is the <a> raging. <laughs> he really moron. is. I don't yeah. think. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, He's, the actor's name is brilliantly. He's Blake Jenner, which makes him like a kind of completely like cross me. between Kardashians and. Is that his, lo- real is that his real name. It's his real
1: name, Blake my God. Jenner.
3: It couldn't be better. He sounds
1: like a moron.
3: Yeah, he sounds
0: like a moron. He's cast for his buttocks, uh, quite quite rightly. <laughs>
1: Blake, we love you. Yeah, come and take your top off in our office.
0: <laughs> that is what crucially what forward slash if it is available on netflix from friday the 24th of may in english and in arabic now um <laughs> next up is riviera the continuing adventures of julia styles at the french seaside <laughs> as she continues her investigation into her husband's death at least that's what i assume uh, as a diehard fan of 10 things i hate about you i have always always got time for julia Stiles. However, Should we please know that? I didn't watch the first season of this. And frankly, I didn't have time to watch this one either. So, Boyd, did I miss oh, out. Oh, I see. Wait a minute. You, this, is this a classic James, I'm not going to watch one no, of the shows? I had planned to. But I, I oh, asked was you watching what the login, login was to watch it like early yesterday. You sent it mid-afternoon. By that point, it was oh my too late. God, Mid-afternoon. I, mean, I took did, a few hours. It's fair
1: to say you didn't miss anything. I mean, no, I've let you down. I,
0: I, okay, I'd, I'd seen let, that coming. The, the Riviera,
3: right, is an extraordinary project. Because
1: Here we go. So the, <laughs> oh, Here we go. Boyd <laughs> defends the yeah. A
3: bit no, 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 no. Captain, no. glasses, not half full. Spoiler alert. Mainly. Oh, yeah, you say, oh, okay. You think you know what I'm going to be saying, but yeah, no. This is the origin story of Riviera, right? It came from an idea by U2's manager, Paul McGuinness. It was created by Neil Jordan, actual Neil, proper filmmaker Jordan. <laughs> actual, proper Neil it was Jordan. Initially co written by Neil Jordan and novelist John Banville, who has won like Booker Prizes and shit, and he's a proper literary novelist. It's ended up as being like Dynasty, <laughs> but not as fun.
1: It's ridiculous. It's,
3: so the the interesting thing about the show is incredible cast, massive huge budget, lavish locations. It's got a lot in common in many ways with What If? But the difference is, is that it's unbelievably po-faced and humourless and not particularly interesting. It's really, so I kind of like, the, the story, you know, I watched the, the first season and because, you know, I had to partly and it was, I thought, oh, this is very well-made stuff. But what you kind of... You can see the initial idea. You think, oh, it's great for Neil Jordan and John Banville, all these people, to be making a piece of pulpy um, modern-day TV with a big budget. But it's just turned into something. It's morphed into something completely weird, which is a totally overly serious, taking itself very seriously with no humour, of hardly any humour whatsoever and it just doesn't work on that level and the contrast in what if couldn't be heavy. If you want to do something like this, this is how you do it is Mm. what if. Mm. This is not how you do it I think in terms of the script and the characters and the central character in the middle of it, played by her, is just not interesting. She's a kind of blank for me in the middle of the whole thing.
1: It seems like, because I watched an episode of the first season and then there's a very lengthy catch up at the start of of, um, this episode and the sense is that they're trying to position her much more at the heart of the story and the strength you didn't know she had and this empowered kind of woman who won't be pushed down and won't be kind of manipulated by men any longer etc etc exactly to Boyd's point because it doesn't you know there's there's a voice over I think it was on the trail and it was like this is the Riviera Riviera, darling people get away with everything and they're trying for the same tone as Boyd says which is kind of arch Mm. and um, camp and high drama and all of that but as you say, it's so lacking in any spirit or character. Or t- they've kind of half committed to it, but then half tried to make it a serious action thriller, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she, you know, I, I really like her as an actor. This does not do her justice no. at all it's
3: none of the players and I feel it's like I feel it is that shows you compromise I think yeah. it's a compromise project to me it's like it started out you know with Neil Jordan and John Banville involved it's ended up with other people involved and it doesn't feel like it's an authored piece and I think in this day and age of, of you know whatever you call mm-hmm. it peak TV the best you know the thing about what if is it's clearly got that guy Mike Kelly the creator who did Revenge if you watch Revenge this is his thing is camp over the top and he talks about openly in, in that press release you mentioned mm-hmm. About his influences, about indecent proposal, and he's very happy about it. And he's not. This is kind of trying. It feels like, oh, we're not sure whether we can really go that far over the top. We've got all the lavish locations. We've got this brilliant cast, and it's just all a bit. It feels like no one's kind of pushing it to go. This is how far we should go. This will make it fun. This will make it witty,
0: and it's kind of drawn back, and it, and it is disappointing. Well, that is Riviera, and it airs at nine p.m. on Thursday, the twenty-third of May. On Sky Atlantic and Boyd, now TV. Correct. Finally, this week, we have the first of Marvel's TV spin offs, The Summer of Rockets, which takes an unorthodox look at what this particular member of the Guardians of the Galaxy gets up to on his holidays. That's right, isn't it, Boyd? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what happened. Thank you. Uh, no, no, of course it's not. Rather, this is the BBC's Cold War drama following a Russian inventor and his family living in the UK. Cold War or hot stuff, Boyd? Did you watch this, James? I did watch it. Yes. So, it's. I very... know you
3: may not gather that from my. I didn't gather that, there, yet. but I did actually watch it. Yes. So this is classic Stephen Poliakoff. Is what you should know about it. So Stephen Poliakoff has been, you know, writing um, very, um, very intense, heavyweight um, dramas, mostly set in the past, where he addresses big themes. You know of. Um, Big ideas of like, you know, moments of espionage where people are spying on each other. He's very interested in um, power plays among the classes, particularly the upper classes, um, you know, in wartime, in post war period. This is a post war thing. He's been doing it, you know, a long, long time, this kind of thing. And it feels like um, this is the latest in kind of pursuing his different obsessions. And what he tends to do is he finds a kind of interesting way into big historical moments. So the one in this is the interesting thing is it's Toby Stevens, the main character. Um, this figure is a guy who works on hearing aids. He's got a company that makes hearing aids. Yep. Like, oh, that's an unlikely way into the world of politics and espionage in the early Cold War period of Britain. But then you end up with him then it ends up with him inventing the pager device. Yep. And you think, well, where is this going? And then it's clearly going to be that, that somehow is used by by spies as a way of kind of listening in on people and that is brought up towards the end of the first episode and Killy Hawes is brought in as this part of this very posh family who's married to a kind of Tory politician who keeps being whisked off Roche. Linus Roach being whisked <laughs> off for mysterious reasons it's all very Enigmatic, very heightened. The performances, now, I don't know what Stephen Pondercraft says to his cast, but the performances, everyone's speaking this very posh cut glass accent. It's like RP, isn't it? It's like RP. Mm. And all of them are doing it. The little kid in it is like almost like playing Prince Harry. Father, like Prince father. Father, Prince, father, father, father. <laughs> um, there's a brilliant moment. For me, the dialogue was summed up by this this, this difference between um, what the daughter says to her father. You know they dropped a nuclear bomb on a farmhouse by accident. The father says, I know, dear, but we mustn't dwell. It's kind of <laughs> <on like that. laughs> All the scenes are like that. It's weird. I I quite like it. I quite like... Peter Poliakoff gets a lot of people slagging him off these days because he does do pretty much the same thing, series after series. And the BBC gives him huge amounts of money to make these shows and stars love working for him because he creates juicy roles for them. I kind of enjoyed it, but on the other level, he's in his own world now. It's quite slow; the pace is very deliberate. Scenes to go on a long time with you. Like, why are we watching this woman yeah. hammering her shoe? You know, getting her shoe oh, on the way to the, the amount balance. of time she takes to break the, to heel, break the heel, heel of her, her shoe. shoe. Things take a long time to play out, which is it's almost like refreshingly not of this current world of TV drama. Mm. I quite liked it, but people, I think people will be, will find it too slow. And people, if you're not used to polycross yeah. thing, people find it just too I will say, just weird. of
0: that scene where you talk about she's yeah. going to meet the queen yes. and she breaks her heel and she yes. falls over this, I was like, if Terry ever went to meet the queen, this is exactly <laughs> oh my God, you're so right. how it would
3: play her. Yeah. Absolutely right. And she'd get the driver to go and find one for her. Yeah. can he just go and get one for me? Yeah. Yes.
1: I mean, I, I thought it was quite dense and I don't know. you know, I think there's something I think, boy, you just touched on it, which is the age we're in and the speed mm. and the pace at which we're watching things and being carried along. And um, uh, I found it hard to find a rhythm that I enjoyed with this. And I did. If I wasn't watching it for the pod, I would probably have stopped. Um Uh, maybe it was the three hours of screaming Arabic that had kind of broken me. But um, it's... And I've said before on the pod, I don't naturally love period stuff, mm. here I was like, oh, well, you know, with the Cold War stuff, is there going to be anything which actually feels super relevant and modern and zeitgeist? Well, they went and- to Ascot. <laughs> and it, there wasn't, there was none of that yeah. kind of to get stuck into. Um, I thought it looked great. There's a couple, there's this um, bedroom set up. The production design is like mm. exquisite in places, I have to say. But it didn't It compel me or grab me.
3: No, I'm saying, yeah, I kind of enjoyed it. I, I, yeah. I. I- there's a big, you know, there's a good climax, which should, in theory, entice you to be carrying on watching it. But I think I'll have time for other stuff first. I feel like I will might get to that eventually. That's kind of that kind will of
0: Will you, though? I mean, let's be honest. We're all tiptoeing around the fact. This was transcendentally tedious. I mean, it was quite extraordinary. I, I think time compressed and I aged a lifetime's worth while watching this show. Uh I it's entirely possible I'm just also not Also that. Yeah. It's entirely possible I'm just not, you know, this is not my cup of tea, shall we say. Uh, I may have just not been in sync with it, but I just was like what am I watching? What is happening? What are you people talking about? And like and I'm in a hospital, and you're testing a pager. And I'm like, I'm sure there's a story coming. And then the episode ended, and I'm like, it'll probably come next episode, but I fucking won't be here to see it. All I'm saying, I, think it's,
3: I agree with you, but saying, I think it's really funny. Like that pager scene was, cla- was a classic example. It went on and on and on. And the whole idea of it is, is the pager working or not? Is, someone, is yeah. the doctor going to write. And I was thinking, if, if Poliakov ever took notes from TV executives, I bet they would have been a really line yeah, for going, yeah, this yeah. has yeah. got to be done but, in about a minute. But I can't guarantee you he is not taking notes.
0: It was nearly
3: Partridge-esque, that <laughs> because yeah, it, it just
0: goes on so long. It's so uncomfortable. It was, it's like Alan when he walks yeah. across to the other side and of the studio. You know, he would have been really proud of this. That scene. <laughs> <laughs> we get the idea. Yes, uh, just sort I think we're saying if if you're really into Poliakoff shows, yes. you yes. might enjoy this. It's if the, you're super mega ultra posh as well, you might think, <laughs> oh, my people are here. This is fabulous. Yeah. Um,
1: I think that was my other problem with it. I have a real kind of visceral, natural reaction against posh people on a <laughs>
0: <laughs> when they're going for
3: tea with the Queen oh, the weird God. thing about it there are actually people in this who aren't that posh
0: Really? That's true. A they're, 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 yeah. a bit, they're a bit sort of uh, yeah. wannabe posh, aren't they? But they're
3: they? all still mm. talking in that way. Yes. Like, he's
0: part Russian, so he's got a little Russian know. twinge to the well, poshness. He, he addresses it, doesn't he? Like, he's he gone does. out of his way to try and yeah. adopt this it, right. RP but accent. still like, oh, come on, just let someone speak it in an accent <laughs> I know. And there's a little bit of excitement because there's a car following them. But, like, until, <laughs> I mean, you're just like, I mean, this, this car just stops and then <laughs> they stop and then they get out and they look at it and they get back in and they drive and you're just like, it's I mean, alert. in a nice way, I've seen the born identity and this is not how you do that it just Definitely isn't not the born identity it's the core oh identity god that's the summer of rockets yes very good Thanks. very good uh summer of rockets which airs on BBC2 on Wednesday the 22nd of May at 9 p.m. pick of the week oh what is
1: what? How is that a question? I mean,
0: which version of what if Terry? Are you are <laughs> well, you putting forward the
1: close look cut thing? But um, I would recommend they Renee Zellweger.
0: Okay, okay, good. Put it this way: If
3: Netflix haven't put the rest of this series up on our special preview thing by. Next minute, I'll
0: be furious. Yeah. <clears throat> fair enough. That's, a, that's, a, that's <laughs> Next the minute. highest possible praise. Um, it is reluctant to, to agree that What If is. No, because you, What you... If is a show that I'm going to watch, but I'm never, ever going to tell another living soul that I'm watching it. <laughs> be proud. Because it's embarrassing and I feel dirty. This is embarrassing. Like rewatching Battlestar Collector every day for the Boy, rest of your life. That's how fine. little you understand. <laughs> It is time now for the Banshee segment in which we each pick out and recommend a show from the archives. So named, of course, because Banshee was among the f- was among the first shows we did. Um, and I'm saying that because I realise we don't mention that enough and people are like, why, why is he called it Banshee? Anyway, I'm going to start because in honour of this week's guest, I'd like to Banshee Fringe. Okay. Yeah. Which has nothing to do with haircuts. Uh, This one ran from 2008 to 2011 and dripped from the brains of J.J. Abrams, Bob Orsi and Alex Kurtzman. This was a a sci-fi investigation procedural. It was was a bit like a Latter-day X-Files. It had had John Noble as a mad scientist called Walter Bishop, Joshua Jackson, Pacey, yes, as his son (laughs) and kind of handler Peter and Anna Torv was in this as as an FBI agent called Olivia Dunham and they partnered up to solve mysteries caused by so-called called Fringe Science. So but it started out as this sort of bog-standard Freak of the Week type show, but expanded into this brilliantly batshit mythology which had like parallel worlds, alternate versions of characters, and even kind of this weird, this weird adjustment bureau type observer people in hats. It was very strange. Um, my favourite part of this was when you switch between the prime reality and the alternate one, the second, incidentally, listeners, that I said, prime reality. Terry immediately stopped listening and started reading her emails. And it's important that you know that. But but my favourite part of this is, so you switch from these two realities. Oh,
1: my God. Shush,
0: listen. And when you did, the colour of the title sequence switched from blue to red to flag which reality it was in. But, and this is a good bit, the characters uh, in the alternate dimension, so, so their interdimensional alter ego, has got these brilliant pun names like uh, Walternate and Faux Livia. And for that alone, this is the greatest TV show ever made. Uh, Jared House was a, was, a, was a recurring villain in this called David Robert Jones. Uh, the late, great Leonard Nimoy was in it as a kind of Steve Jobs alike called William Bell. Uh, it ran for, I think it was five seasons. And even if the last of those was completely off the wall, this is well worth a look. And you can pick up all five seasons for £6. <gasps> That's right, six at pounds where? At, where can you pick at it a, a shop? shop, any shop that sells <laughs> any second hand entertainment exchange yes. yes. or 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 not, maybe on my Amazon marketplace so there, who's next?
1: I'm gonna you something that I have talked about before, but I've never banished it. Charmed. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> <That's literally> like... <laughs> (laughs) that's brilliant
0: oh god spare me (laughs) deliver me from this hell go on then
1: okay so I can't believe I've never somebody's definitely going to get in touch and say I did it and probably send me the audio but Charmed as James (laughs) knows is um, Charmed is for me a close second to Buffy in terms of my um, uh, favourite shows ever so Charmed was not current Charmed old Charmed was um, a series about three sisters who were witches right and it opens when their nana's died and what happened when their Nana was alive who was also a witch as with their mum who died who got killed by a demon she was also a witch (laughs) and they they basically had their powers bound so that they didn't get into any trouble Nana dies and weird shit starts happening and their powers reignite and they are the Charmed Ones the Charmed Ones must lead the fight against good good versus evil so uh Shannon Doherty, Alyssa Milano and Holly Marie Coombs. Now, there were always rumours that Shannon Doherty and Alyssa Milano did not like each other. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly Shannon Doherty got written out, but a really spectacular death. So she got murdered by a demon, Shaq, like just like her mum got murdered. It was very upsetting. And she died and that was it. And they thought the charmed ones were done forever, apart from... Star the next season. Rose McGowan pops up, and she is the new sister who was adopted because their mum had an affair with the White Lighter, who was sent to protect her. So she's half White Lighter, half witch.
0: What's a White Lighter? A
1: White Lighter is somebody oh, who gosh, dies. I never have asked. Who dies in a good way? So he was the uh, Leo was a medic in the army, and you when you die, you're you're made into an angel specifically to protect future <laughs> Witches and White Lighter other White Writers, um, but. Piper, whose middle sister ended up having an affair with her white lighter, because you know, history repeats itself, no I'm Is saying. Is this a
0: banshee or a blow by blow viewing guide?
1: <laughs> so Oh like you can talk. <laughs>
4: Yeah. I can't
3: believe you're, you're complaining that Terry's going into too much detail into this fantasy TV series.
1: And essentially what I'm going to say is I have a love of witches and the supernatural and Charmed was amazing. So It's about the bonds of sisterhood. It kind of put forward feminist themes at a time when it wasn't very cool to do that in television, even though they often had them not wearing many, much underwear when they were on the TV show. Um, and it was about the importance of family and the importance of trust and how ultimately the greater good had to confirm and like the amazing episodes where they get exposed and the world ended. And the finale was amazing, absolutely (laughs) amazing and was basically one of the greatest episodes of TV ever. And they took on their biggest threat and their biggest threat didn't come from like a ghost or a demon or anybody they thought it would. It came from a pair of witch sisters because actually the only people who could fight their love would be a lover strong.
4: Wow. Wow.
3: I mean, Boyd, I I don't envy I you following that. I can't be that, but I can give you Gorilla, not a series about a ape. Uh, it is. this was an incredible commission from Sky a few years ago um, it's a six part British drama series set in the 70s against the backdrop of immigration and racism in Britain and it's all about a radical group of British Black Panthers those are the main characters and kind of like tensions between them and possibly are oh, what is what they're doing terrorism or isn't it is it justified and all of that huge big themes a really edgy setting brilliant cast Idris Elba Frida Pinto Rory Kinnear Babu Sisay Danny Mays Zoe Ashton etc it was written and directed by John Ridley who wrote the script for 12 Years a Slave among other things it was really ambitious quite edgy kind of very well shot big budget thing and this was a period where Sky was doing like really interesting I mean they still are in a way but like Riviera's gone into a second season this didn't but it was always meant to be I think a mini series but it's a really really interesting show Gorilla, it's on your Sky and now two box sets now
0: yeah Now it is time for our final instalment of Here Be Dragons, an extended Throne-splaining session in honour of the last ever episode of Game of Thrones. As ever, there will be massive spoilers, so if you have yet to see the episode, then do please skip ahead to the time in the pod description, lest spoilers consume you like a torrent of dragon fire. Still with us? Then let's press on. It is Monday morning, and joining us in place of Terry, who has sailed away to the Isle of Nath, is Chris Mandel, a man whose insufferable throne spaining is almost as extreme as mine, Valar Morgulis. <laughs> Uh, I'm not talking in High Valyrian anymore as a mark of respect for the end of the show. <laughs> anymore, you do usually. <laughs>
3: yeah. But you just decided to slap out of it. Terry's gone west, does not she? To she has to seek out new worlds. That's right. New civilizations to boldly go, go where no Aria has gone before. To go That's where, right. where the maps end. Yeah. yeah she,
4: she's,
0: end. she's done an Aria Stark. She's headed off, yeah. hit the seas. I mean, in many ways, she has done an Aria Stark for, yeah. for, um, in recent history. Yeah, well, she's so normally a Daenerys. So, you know, <laughs> it works out. It works a bit out well. Of both. So, so, where to even begin? All right. So we start with the very basic. Thing. this is the final 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 episode of Game of Thrones it is the capstone to this entire series that has spanned eight seasons what did we make of it I loved it I don't know what the fuck everyone's you sh- complaining about you shock about. me Boyd. Yeah.
3: Boyd in positivity yeah. shocker I mean people but you yeah, know people are just wrong I mean I think if, by the way I don't think I, I'm slightly regretting not being more positive last week I mean I was the main defender of, of the penultimate you were the water episode. on the walls with the whole Daenerys thing. And I think this, for me, this, the, the final episode totally justified everything that I said about Daenerys last week, by the way. So all the people saying that she wouldn't have done what she did, absolutely. I mean, that, I just can't get, including you, that is just a fundamental misreading of her character and the whole history of what she's done on the show. And that was absolutely rammed home very well. in I thought the really good, really good scene with Tyrion where it was basically, you know, explaining why Jon Snow had to kill her because of what she's become and why she's become that. And, and, and I thought that was a really good scene. But I just, the whole thing, I think, you know, I, I'm going to reiterate what I said throughout these, our spoiler special series on this fine podcast, which is that. This isn't like this isn't like the Avengers or you know if you think about endings of huge big pop culture franchises recently this is the hardest one to do because the whole setup has been who's got, who it's like a who done isn't it who which of these characters we know and love or hate or whatever is going to end up the ultimate ruler on the Iron Throne or the or not on the melted remains <laughs> of the Iron Throne or whatever <laughs> the and, slag throne right and and you, there's no way you can please all the all the fans because everyone's going to have their favorite or everyone's going to have their idea who they most have. That, that's resolved that central plot point and you don't have that situation with with you know I keep bringing up the Avengers this is a thing that people compare it to Oh, well, everyone loved the ending of that and people are half the loads of people are fuming about the ending of this for some reason I don't understand why so I was very happy with A with who that was I thought that was clever and smart and you know kind of satisfying and a little bit surprising surprising enough to make it kind of like a whodun it was like, oh, I wasn't expecting that I just thought it was going to go another way I thought um, I thought it was touching and moving a surprise tense I thought that you know the situation with Jon Snow and Danny was really tense and interesting you know was he actually going to kill her at that moment I thought that was really well done I thought that was some brilliant visual triumphs the sort of her with the dragon rising up behind her was fantastic mm, amazing
0: um, there were some good Drogon shots in this a
3: Great doing the shot. So I, I, just thought this was this was everything that Game of Thrones is, which is it's kind of brilliant storytelling. I love the fact that it threw back so in so many ways to the very first episodes mm. and throughout, really, including the the very end, including Bran. <laughs> you know, all of that. The speech about storytelling, which some people have a problem with, and understand that. I was like that made total sense that Tyrion would pick up on that and talk about that. I always thought of lovely. I, I, I thought it was absolutely fantastic.
0: I, I disagree with many things you just <laughs> said. However. I did like this episode. Good. Uh, I, I'm not down on it. I'm not a hater. I thought it was good. I don't think it was great. I think it was good. But I think good is almost, is as much as, if not more than we could hope for in terms of what these guys had to do. I love the fact that Benny and Weiss not only wrote but directed this one because they were like, we are going to mm. own this for yeah, good course. or bad. Of course. And I think they did a really good job. I think it's, it was an incredibly hard thing to finish. I think... So in that regard, I think it works. And I think actually it it, it, it gives you a satisfying ending and it ties up a lot of the major threads and themes and it gives you a believable ending. I think what it doesn't do on a couple of levels is it doesn't undo... The knots that they've tied themselves in in these last two seasons, whereby I do think that choosing to do the end of this huge story in two very truncated seasons was a fundamental strategic error, and I think once they'd made that, there was no getting out of that. Like you could like the se- sequence where where Sansa declares that she's going to be queen in the north, that they're not going to be part of the Seven Kingdoms, they're going to be independent, is done away with in four seconds. <laughs> now. Four years ago, that would have been an episode, like yeah. a whole episode leading up to that one moment. And it's because it's indicative of where we are now, that we are now galloping along at a million miles an hour, so much that it's almost too much to look around and enjoy the sceneries. And I think that, that's, I, think that I, I missed that. I missed the luxuriating. But my main takeaway from this, and again, I wasn't expecting this, I was hoping for it, is it didn't do anything clever. And that's not necessarily the end of the world. No, I don't agree with that. But it didn't do anything <laughs> yeah. surprising it didn't do anything We thought oh my I god I that. didn't see that coming I think that because was everyone saw everything coming in no, this I, I, think think. That was I think that's was fair mm, I don't think I, think I think it's one of these things where it works and it does a good job but if we look at the great season finales from the great series like for some I use The Shield which is the best season finale of all time it gave you the ending not that it didn't give you the ending you wanted it gave you the ending you needed <laughs> like you came away from that thinking there is no other way the show could have ended it was absolute perfection but, but again, I, it's, a it's not what I wanted
4: it's a different type of story though is it, it is then, a different yeah. type of story I feel, I feel like Game of Thrones kind of wrote a rule book and then stuck quite faithfully to that like all the action was you know in the last few yep, episodes yep, so yep. In, they've always done these sort of pensive um, finales but I suppose when it's capping off the whole show mm. you kind of feel like wait that was quite meditative and like looked nice, but I want I want to see a whole series of them arguing about building the brothel first or <laughs> fixing the plumbing. I love that. That was love that's them. the sort of stuff like I really have missed this season. Yes, which is just kind of mild squabbling, mm. and I, I am kind of I liked seeing all of them get back together. And you suddenly think, oh wait, they've got all these like lords left over and all these castles, and oh, this is going to work out quite neatly. I feel like if they'd sort of subverted it too much, it would have been quite like annoying just, mm. Mm. and they can't win in a way can they
3: because no they can't <laughs> uh, so what, my question is the whole thing about them wrapping up in these two seasons what, what else could they have done because if, if if I take you back three or four years ago you know to seasons Three, four, five, mm. for example. Everyone, I, I said this. Let's say everyone was complaining about how slow it was. I was never saying. complaining about Some how slow it was. <laughs> so a lot of people did complain, particularly certain plot strands, like Arya. I'm sorry, but you, people, so you
0: have a real bee in your no, bonnet no, about no, Arya. I never minded. I
3: never minded. But she did was doing the same thing week in week out great. for an entire yeah. season. Yeah, but it, you know, where
0: where, where did that get
3: us? You know, it's what like, that but, got
0: you is go when <laughs> where she ends up, her character. When she gets there, she has earned. Every single step yeah, along she, that path, have that in a better. way, that Daenerys hasn't.
3: Mm. I don't agree with that, but what I'm saying is, is that what was the alternative? Once they've run out of the George R. R. Martin books. novels, yeah, books, yeah. yeah. Uh, Do they then stretch it out like for years and years to come? Years and years. It was almost an impossible thing to do, wasn't it? And yet they Mm. so they had to resolve it because they just couldn't carry on like that. And I think the speeding up of the narrative I I, I was, I was, I think the other thing is people forget. I think everyone was kind of enjoying the speeding up of the narrative in the penultimate season. That was Mm. my sense anyway. And Uh, suddenly everyone had a problem with it in the final season. But. I think it's fine I think it's just certain things they did take time over they take they, for me I, I think I, I agree with Chris like the little moments the rearranging of the chairs Tyrion rearranging oh, yeah, and the I love chairs it, love it. brilliant moment that, to get that to give that more time than the decision that she's going to get in the north <laughs> was fine by me I'm fine with it the, the, you know the point about was, that wasn't an important thing they could have stretched that out for a whole three episodes yeah. but who cares it's just I, that was resolved there's, there's a way of resolving certain plot points that's not so important as character development as thematic resolution and this had all that, you know. This had this was This was a bigger picture ending for me. It was like, you know, what what is the show really about? You know, it's about so, you know Tyrion could have picked any of those people and had a good argument. I thought that was really clever that Tyrion mm. was the one telling the others who to who to choose. Right, right. he's on trial while, while, changed, right, while yeah. he's on the trial, ultimate scammer. Yeah, and so this whole everyone's been saying recently, where did where did you know when did Tyrion suddenly become thick? Well, he didn't really. I mean, he made mistakes, but that he could have said any of those people and persuaded the others that it was the right thing to do. I thought that was really smart. That, you're talking about there wasn't smart, bits. that was smart to me. And you know, th- those moments were about how power is achieved what who the who the real people are with power behind the scenes Danny's story the story of imperialism mm. and power gone mad power,
0: power. Well, I thought it was I, I like that, was that, that Sam floats the idea of representative democracy that was gets great laughed off exactly. the stage. <laughs> that was so good although, although and a lot of people bristled on that because it felt like almost like not fourth wall breaking but certainly fourth wall pressing mm. do you know what I mean it felt yeah, like a little bit like anachronistic humour I, I went with it I thought it was fine and the fact that uh, that essentially what Tyrion espouses is parliamentary democracy and they all kind of go for that you're yeah. like, right, also
4: I would not be taking lessons on ruling from John <laughs> Royce or uh, John what's he called <laughs> That old Royce. guy that just yeah. turns up that whenever he feels guy. like yeah. it. Oh, now you're going to come and help us out. Where the fuck have you Robin been? Robin Aaron all grown up, oh that my was god! freaky, yeah. wasn't it? He's now on Huel protein shakes by the looks yeah. of things. Strapping young man. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was It was an interesting little...
0: Because there's, there's the time jump after the mm. death of G- Daenerys. I really like that. When yeah, the time jump was into, really interesting.
3: Yeah. But they didn't tell you how long. There was no Avengers star five years yeah. later. They could've, it could have been like three weeks later. Yeah, <laughs> <But> <laughs> I thought... that. So they had the ad break. If you watched it live on Sky, as I did... I don't know if you did, Chris. I did. Right? Didn't you? Think, so it was very confusing because they 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 had the outbreak right at that point, mm. and then you saw um, Tyrion wake up and go to this big meeting. Yeah, and you had no, and I thought, oh, they've missed a title card. They've missed an explanation <laughs> of what the time jump is. But
4: there was no explanation. Right. I guess also like this does get a bit um, uh, fan theory heavy. But now that you know the seasons don't last the way they do in our worlds, and and winter was supposed to be quite long, and so who knows like what. Time is so weird in this show, yeah, right? See, yeah. I had an issue there. So I wondered, first of all, like when they were walking through
0: King's Landing I was like, is it winter? Is it snowing? But then I thought, oh, that's ash, isn't it's ash, it? Yeah. It's so not so. So, and the variety I. Variety review yeah. said it was snow. That no, Of course, ash. it was ash. Yeah. yeah. Was and that, I loved just going on to the Drogon moments, the, the moment where he unfurls his wings and it's Daenerys with wings. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. That. It's so a beautiful fantastic. shot. When he raises himself out of the ash as well, that's another yeah. stunning yeah. shot. Yeah. That yeah. show
4: with Daenerys is like the Maleficent 2 program that Disney
0: didn't of basically. I really compared to Melissa fucking it is. they certainly got their point across there like she walks out and it's Nuremberg in all but name yeah. So yeah. even to the fact that it's subtitled and she's talking in Valerian and uh,
4: although it did put me very much in mind of General Hux addressing I the First Order absolutely got that like that sense of like I'm about to fire a cannon into the sky um, but also I thought the way they shot her um, speeches to her people was almost framed as quite aggressive compared to some of the more, you know, shots down on her. We've seen her among a sea of people. This Mm. was very like, kind of like the camera was like under her chin. A bit Michael Bay-esque. Yeah, Yeah. it was quite like, quite intense. Yeah, but it was to to underline what a a
0: fascist dictator she really is. (laughs) One of the issues that I had, and I know you disagree with this, Boyd, is that you still, they never truly explained the previous episode like was it strategic was it madness was it was it tactics mm-hmm. or tantrum do you know what I mean and, and I'm still not clear because when you did they did the recap at the beginning you saw again the extraordinary face acting when she decides to burn the city and she's Frankly, she looks like she's gone a bit Doolally. Mm. Like she's, she's twisting her face into this contortions of rage and insanity. And at the end, it's like has has she flipped? Like what? Like they never really dwell. She never explains why. Because the why that, is never really answered.
3: Because is it madness or is it just who she always was? <laughs> no, it's not. I don't think it is madness. I think it's and well, it's, it's 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 all of those things. It's part madness. It's but it's the mad, it, it's the corru- it's how power corrupts, isn't it? She, so you know the, the madness comes from the fact that she's gone this far, um, trying to achieve. Ultimate power. The speech was brilliant, I thought, because it rammed home the fact that she's still not happy. She, she's mm. she, she's got she yeah. got she wants to burn Winterfell. Yeah, next. she wants to go. Yeah, yeah. and, John, and was, was, John was like, "Hello, yeah worm. And so this is it's 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 all about without you know it's about imperialism. It's about yeah. it is about you know um, people th- you know the idea of, when when great when when England was ruling half the world mm. as I, I mentioned this last week they're not going oh you know we are the evil ones we're gonna we're gonna colonise your your worlds and take over because we're doing bad things they thought they were doing a great yeah thing. the villain never. And and people, some fucking idiots still do, by the way. You, mm. know, you know, so you know. She's going. I am bringing the golden future and I am the golden future at large yeah. and I'm doing the whole world a favour by slaughtering mercilessly yeah. look at yeah. all these people I've those liberated think, yeah. <laughs> but that is exactly what those people think that's how they think so you can call it madness or you can call, but it's absolutely her character and it is her fucking character mm. from season one I'm sorry yeah. you are wrong if you don't think that you put I, I, this one, and I'll say I'm this I'm not but is, sure this, I'm absolutely you know I'm not, I'm not just saying this out of, out of bad faith or, or pretending I think this honestly I was thinking this the other day if I watched that Pinotum episode mm. and there was no such thing as Social media, you know, or, or podcasts or people discussing this stuff. But imagine, like it was back when we watched The Sopranos mm. finale, for example, mm. and we didn't have all this shit. I thought, yeah, this is a brilliant, brilliant ending of her story and I wouldn't have thought twice that mm-hmm. it was out of character or needed any further explanation it absolutely makes sense I'm sorry and you're entirely
0: wrong but you would <laughs> yeah. be right because there's nothing wrong with that episode in and of itself what's wrong with it is the episodes preceding it no, don't justify it absolutely like do. she they did they not build up that. That. Yeah, but you can't just do a Hand handbrake story. turn on a character It's not a handbrake turn it's absolutely what I would character. be
4: interested in though is seeing how the the whole season actually plays out when you're not watching it week by week yeah how it'd be interesting would, to see like, yeah, my rewatch I'll be fascinated by <laughs> and I think now Next seeing week. where all the pieces yeah. have kind of gone I think it'll be really interesting to rewatch it and I think also watching it closely after season 7 because I think that longer gap between seasons hasn't helped the show oh well, well, yeah I, I rewatched forget. them
0: all in the run up to this so I feel quite like I've kind of leapt from one mm. into the other right let's go through some of these uh, the moments here so so John and Danny in the throne room that's quite a that's qu- quite a scene isn't it yeah I mean am I the only one here who kind of didn't see that coming like when he goes no, to kiss her no, like, I, no, that really caught me off guard. But you said in guard. your
3: in your long thing complaining there was no cleverness. You said you saw it all coming, so you've contributed yourself. No, 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 yourself. no. In that wow. scene, in that scene,
0: I did not suddenly <laughs> oh, expect because okay. because they felt like to me like just to continue your Avengers analogy. They did a bit of a Thanos there, like they killed her pretty early. Yeah, on. yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. You know, yeah, and that's a really good that point. really caught me by surprise. That so early, she was gone, she was done, like she's barely in this episode,
4: and that really wrong-footed me. As soon as I saw. She'll get killed. I just assumed they would go back in time and try and like undo all the damage. La <laughs> You've watched Endgame. too much Avengers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I liked it though. I, th- I thought um, I didn't. I thought she would. I thought she would die by either Tyrion or John, um, but I really liked the way he stabbed her in the heart because I thought the mirroring of Jaime killing the Mad King mm. there was a really nice parallel. parallel. Yeah, mm. and actually the way that. Um, John has sort of been exiled. The Night's Watch and the Kingsguard have got certain parallels. Um, yeah. In the books, they wear white, not gold. So there is like a. I thought thematically, I thought that was really smart. Um, it I just it was just a bit of a moment. I couldn't believe she mm. was out of the frame so quickly. And then I think you're right. I think the energy kind of spiked quite maybe a third in. Yeah. And then the rest of it is kind of cleaning up after a house party but um, <laughs> you know like, great I'm, cleaning up though. I mean they got rid of so much rubble you know when they're like sitting down and I'm like where did you get those yeah, chairs from exactly <laughs> how is this room still standing <laughs> but, um, but yeah it was a shock I thought she was uh, I thought Amelia Clarke was so good at uh, she really was full of like fanaticism. Her eyes were so yeah. wide, and like she was like, "Don't you see? We mm. we need to go everywhere and do this yeah. again." And it's like, "Oh
3: wow, okay." I thought it was really clever. I agree with that, and I thought it was really clever how I mean, again the, the 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 Tyrion scene. So basically, Tyrion's literally telling Jon Snow what to do. Remember, so he and John Thicko, Jon Snow, is like, "Oh, well, what do I do?" <laughs> they're literally standing there, going, "Like, you know, what am I going to do now?" Uh, yeah. You know, it, it was like that, and Tyrion's going, "You fucking have to kill her, you idiot. Otherwise, she's going to kill you and yeah. your sisters." Absolutely, and that made complete sense I thought that was brilliantly done and then for, then, we see him make the speech I think that's the, the order of it wasn't it the, and the speech like, almost rams the point home and just in yeah. case he yeah. hadn't got it message she is, she is going to do anything she wants including kill, about to kill Tyrion of
0: course and I think well. that was a key speech Look, for all yeah. the criticism I think Tyrion kind of ramming home the here's my seasons 1 to 7 <laughs> synopsis in case you haven't been paying attention you know that was quite a, a useful device yeah. here. but you're right like Jon Snow King Doofus there just like alright fine I'll get <laughs> yeah. on with it yeah, and he just wanders off. Yeah, I thought, but I thought the decision to, to,
3: to do that early on as you say, a third of the way, and I thought that w- was great because it ratcheted up the tension it just did. enough, yeah. and it was su- and it was more surprising for it mm-hmm. to happen at that moment, and more of a shock, and much more powerful than if it had been built up and build up and build up and dragged on and on and on. Um, so that was really, can we, we quickly mentioned the, the moment before that where um, where Tyrion finds finds them in the rubble, and he weeps over me we, because yeah. I still thought I still last week I was like they did. might <laughs> still be alive, at least one of them. I still. Still thought Cersei's eye might open you know when yeah. finally, but they didn't say no, I, I thought it was a one, lovely moment Yeah, I know you think I'm completely ridiculously positive about everything and I did think but my <laughs> I do have one my one major criticism oh, of the whole on. season is Cersei I think Cersei was absolutely robbed yeah. of a good final season and she is always been my favourite character a lot of, she's been an absolute brilliant brilliant character yeah. and she literally had about 10 sentences as far as I'm making mm. the whole season she got paid a lot of money
4: to sit and drink wine and in I a just window. think but uh, a new costume between one <laughs> war and the other she's she been to costume, like right. yeah, Supporter or something. She had, yeah. In
3: the same words. way that, by the way, Danny's hair, I mean, she had a lot of time to do the I mean, very that's complex a braiding. Serious, I braiding. Think that's, serious braiding. I think that's Grey
4: Worm. I think she, <laughs>
3: she does, yeah. Oh, uh, We have to talk about Grey The ex- Grey Worm has the same expression on his face for eight seasons. And every single moment of this episode has that fucking. Is it, is, what's that smell? Like that, that, that someone's farted, fake look on his face. Yeah. The fury, like, just disgust at everything that Tyrion says. Oh, he must be exhausted, take yeah, like, up that
4: expression. Scuffed white trainers. Fury where you, you <laughs> right.
3: write, you're like, oh God, I just yeah, paid for these. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I could identify with that. Yeah. Oh, God, um, um. But I did think but I think yeah, so I think all the all those scenes, all those scenes building up to um the kill uh, when John so kills I thought were were tremendous you know
0: uh, how did you feel about grey worms uh, sailing off to he's had enough if you like <laughs> oh, God, sorry wow. yeah, that's
3: amazing
4: did, did, did you take all the unsullied apparently they, they, yeah They all fucked the off. people to that Nath. are trained not to feel any emotions are yeah. going to take them on like a gap year not being funny but I don't think the population of North is going to be thrilled <laughs> when they all turn up but yeah it's spring break for yeah, the unsullied 10,000 castrated men and we're here to party <laughs> <laughs> right, I don't know yeah, yeah. I thought it was interesting the bit where where Jon Snow um,
3: tried to stop him mercilessly slaughtering those yeah. the men at the beginning. That was an And nearly got skewered for
4: it. Yeah, I nearly got skewered. And kind of knew he realised like you know, yeah. these guys are kind of like patrolling. They're kind of in charge. We can't really do anything about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah.
0: The uh, we've touched
4: on the king's moot a little
0: bit, but I did. I enjoyed that scene. A great deal. Just seeing all those characters said It was interesting the selection of people that they chose. That these are, you know, Gendry who does he speak? Does he say he says he says I. That's
1: just one it,
3: line. Yeah. Oh, Bless, Gendry. Yeah. Bless him. Bless him indeed. <laughs> I'd love to have seen the the, the filming of that. Um and, and also have you seen, there's a there's a water bottle, isn't there? Isn't there's, there's in yeah. this thing interesting? There's a str- there's a water. Yeah, you say you have been too busy. Yeah. So in the, the new Starbucks cup, there wasn't the a Starbucks yeah. cup, is there's a water bottle in that scene, I think, isn't it, at the bottom yeah. by someone's chair leg. Amazing. One of those chairs. Amazing. Yeah, just to add to the general like conspiracy <laughs> theories yeah. and you know they did it on purpose but I love that scene I like that interesting array of characters you say yeah. fantastic array of characters you know the, the thing about the democracy thing I thought was really interesting Um, and, and everyone laughing at him yeah. was brilliant and just to see um, just to see those people kind of it was almost like the convening of a council of a special council or
0: something to make this big decision I thought that was really smart it wasn't 100% clear to me why some of the people who were there oh, no. were there I know like mm. I mean Sam is eating Lord Tarley, but then he wasn't because he gave him a maester at the end isn't he like yeah. a, a grand maester uh, and it's like and who invited
4: fucking Davos <laughs>
0: it's like I yeah. lo- love,
3: love that you're there but I he, don't know but, but why hey, he i didn't his
4: Davos was surprised a do I get a vote that was great <laughs> yeah. I, I, has he not been given a castle yet because Probably. he is the work, oh, I love like, Davos. and there's loads of spare castles. Yeah. Um, I don't really know if Braun is the uh, Lord of Highgarden then Davos deserves oh my God. something. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that guy, like he just has done the least this year and got. What is he like, Lord Protector he's, of the Veil? No, yeah, the, he's the Reach, Lord, he's Lord the, of the yeah, Reach, uh, Lord of High Garden, Master, and Master, of, Master of Coin, Coin yeah. and mm. head of prostitutes. Or I, I, I yeah. deeply loved uh, Edmure getting up
0: and saying, "I'd quite like to be king." Ch- that, that was Santa fantastic. Like, Shush, sit down. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah,
4: he has been in a cell for like yeah. three years, but he's yeah. always been like the embodiment of incompetence. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: completely. So I thought the fun. whole sense, everything that
4: Sansa did in that scene was brilliant. Because yeah, She
3: rules, and obviously, obviously, literally not. She doesn't. Well, she doesn't rule. The, the the six kingdoms, but I thought that. My, but and by the way, the big question we haven't really we we have to ask. I'm sure you're about to ask it, um, James, is whether whether we expected it to be Bran, whether that was a big shock, or did you think, oh yeah, it's going to
0: be? It's, it's funny you say that. Like we had uh, Bran came on the Empire podcast uh, at the end of season seven, and we sat down, we had a long discussion about who would sit the Iron Throne. Wow. And I I don't. I mean, did he know at that point? I don't think he did. Well, know did you know, there's point. an interview with Amelia Clark. Have you seen it in the New Yorker this morning where
3: she says she was told two years ago? Yeah. Um, what, were the, what were the resolution of her character? Yeah, was. she had did. to
4: adjust herself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this, this is the one where she went on the very long walk. She walked for like five miles
3: yeah, to process yeah. it. Yeah, and she bumped into Beyonce and all this. It's a great, it's a really great piece. She says, that wow. to, I've got this quote. There's a brilliant quote where she says, Every time I was faced with Daenerys having to do something pretty cold, like a mass killing, it was always with this thought that she's headed toward her destiny very good Destiny's
0: Child Destiny's but they Child. talked about like uh, Benioff and Weiss talked about when they sat down with George for a summit when they ran out of road they yeah. said and they've been very deliberately vague about what is and isn't his in the final seasons and I don't think they're ever going to change on that but they said that he dropped three massive like, what the fuck moments which right. was I believe the burning of Shireen mm-hmm. yeah. uh, was one uh, the other one was um, Hold the Door Hold the Door yes yeah, it was uh, Hodor the meaning of yeah. his name yeah. and then the third one was presumably Daenerys' switcher because right. they said it was a big thing from the final season yeah. so that would have been those things so these are the three kind of key milestones I think that they had to hit
3: Right but what so, goes back
0: to the point about Bran then so is it so
3: he do, you, do we think I mean will we ever know whether I mean we will eventually know when he fucking if he ever publishes these books but whether he said to them it should be Bran or whether they whether that's them
0: never, I, th- I don't think we want it. and even when he publishes the books because George is the kind of writer where, as he always says the tale grows in the telling I think he could very well end up changing it because mm-hmm. That's the way he writes.
4: He's not it a weird, planner. Wouldn't it? There's he also two There's, different. Endings. There's also characters in the books that didn't survive the adaptation, and there is yeah. a, another. Targaryen that Varys has been secretly young Griff, young Griff, mm. who's been secretly sort of grooming him to sort of be like the most. He speaks all these languages. He hangs yeah. out with the common folk. He's really like he plays the harp. I think like in Bill the King. books just, in the books playing the harp is like the sexiest yeah. thing. It's like doing. being Hendrix. Um, so I imagine there's a lot of things that wouldn't translate that maybe we'll we'll see. But yeah, I I expect the ending of the books if they ever come to be to be significantly different. It, right. it does make me realise though. I mean, we it's been kind of well established at this point that George told them the end point and told them and just said figure out how to get there. I yeah. think we can say in hindsight that is terrible advice. <laughs> <laughs> this should be the other way round which yeah. is like do what you want with the knowledge I'm going to give you. Because what they've done is they've just gone in circles. They've gone in squiggly lines. They've jumped. They've swam to this end point. And I think the format's completely different. The medium's completely different. Like, I think we can say, as, I think it's the last episode was amazing. I think there's been some real highlights this season. But that approach is not healthy. I mean, it's killed those poor Benioff and Weiss. Like, mm. they, they've gone offline before last night. And oh, yeah, but, that, not- but that's not the fault. That's the fault of them in saying, World of
3: social media, isn't it? And an entitled fandom rather than. Yeah. I blame right. that entirely, entirely on, on the world right. we're living in <laughs> rather than the, 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 the narrative setup and that. T- right. People well, are saying,
0: people have been saying, oh, they're terrible writers. They've written, what, 60 of these hmm. episodes? Like the vast majority of them. So, and they yeah. have done an extraordinary Absolutely. job. And yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah. regardless of how you might feel about the final season or the final episode, like give them yeah, the best terru- they're think I
3: wrote a terrible thing in The Observer, which I. Which I oh, yeah, I yeah, Saying they uh, were bad writers and George R. Martin is a good writer writer and this they've fucked it up I'm like so you simplistic absolutely and idiot I guess yeah. just
4: to clarify my point what yeah. I'm saying is, is when you're kind of they've done a fantastic job they've got set number of episodes budget time constraints whatever I think it's mm. been great but just saying to someone midway through the thing here's the end good <laughs> yeah. luck I'm not going to give you a map is kind of weird. It's like a parent teaching a child to ride, isn't it? We're holding onto the saddle, we're holding to yeah. the saddle, and off you go! And, and also, do you mean, you, would you rather if he didn't even give them the end
3: point, just said, do yeah, what the fuck you because
4: want? Because made, they made quite mm-hmm. small changes sort of without his consent. They sort of swapped characters in, they merged storylines, yeah. and they did a good job. And I think actually... With rewatching it, I've really reminded myself that some of the stuff that's been written for the show is outstanding. It is. And this season's been a really good example of, of that. Um, but yeah, I just, I just think, I mean, if you look at Amazon's doing um, a Lord of the Rings show, imagine if there was a, a, a box a Tolkien had written, right... Do whatever you want, but it's going to end like this. I mean, that would be so hard creatively. creatively it creates you in a very yeah. difficult position. Yeah, yeah. yeah I
0: don't. I, I, like, I really don't envy the job they did, and I'm I'm incredibly impressed with both of them. Mm. And like people are saying, they're going to now ruin Star Wars. And like if they oh, know, quote unquote please. ruin Star Wars the way they ruined Game of Thrones, then long may <laughs> yeah. they ruin it. And, it,
3: and, and if, if people are fans are saying, oh, we'd rather George Lucas, the original creator, took over. <laughs> you know, that, that that rather proves the point. I mean, that actually, exactly. yeah, this yeah, whole myth yeah, yeah, that George yeah. R. Martin. I mean, I haven't read the books. So I've no idea. Um, but you know, there are, I, I saw people talking about how fl- the flaws in the books. Just as I was saying, you know, holding him up as some kind. Obviously, it's his creation. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm giving him all due credit, but you know, I'm sure they're not flawless books. They're not flawless. You know, certainly the last two have and, not been as good. And we have to credit them with creating this TV show, which has become yeah. an absolute global pop culture phenomenon and mm. storytelling triumph. And I think they have done an incredible job. Just to go back to the Brian thing, but what, what I think what underlines what brilliant job is there is something incredibly satisfying about him being thrown out the window in episode one. And then coming and then, full circle. And, and, and yeah, coming full circle, And that, and so that's why bottom line I thought it was a great choice and to he, have is a, he is him because great people choice. are going to be annoyed that it's not Sansa's for example you know there might be a she but feminist. she got, she got but a she runner got, up prize right yeah. exactly and I thought everything she did all yeah. of her reactions I think mm. it, it, maybe the only option that would have been satisfying apart from her is him because of all you know because of his powers and because of what he's become and, and, and all of that and because the investment we've had in him again people are complaining about oh, you know there isn't enough um, foreshadowing of what of, of it. But you know, you didn't
0: need foreshadowing at all and I think actually it's 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 a perfect conclusion to that character's art. Also, he is objectively the best choice, and him right. with Tyrion as his hand, exactly. you can actually see that could lead to stability. Yeah, uh, I and
4: think you with, can see it with Sansa also, like it's been clear even just with her kind of really focusing on establishing the North as its own kingdom, she wouldn't have been a good ruler in Westeros because her heart and her mind is with the North. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. she's a true yeah, exactly. northerner. Yeah. So I kind of I thought that was quite clever because they they kind of she talked herself out of the job in yeah, a way yeah, in yeah, proclaiming yeah. it. But yeah, it's tricky. I mean, I'm, I just... Um, Bran was... I never would have called it. like No, but that it, makes it and, better. But, but it didn't feel yeah. like they did it to shock people. It no. felt like there was a, a bit at play there. I think it makes
3: mm. sense. And I loved his line, um, why do you think I've come this far? Where It was, was yeah, like fantastic. he'd seen it coming. Yeah, I thought mm. that was brilliant.
4: Yeah, yeah I that, I, that, was, that, that was, moment alone. You I know. They did have a conversation in Winterfell, didn't they? After the, yeah. the long night where I presume they talked a bit about it. Kind of, because everyone was going, what did they talk about? I'd love to know what they were talking about. And I guess, you know, so I I thought that was really nice. I enjoyed that.
0: Which of course leads on to my favourite scene of the episode, which is the meeting of the small council, uh, which was, it made me realize how much I've missed those moments, mm. just like the banter and the humor. Because this show, when it's funny, is really, really funny. Mm. Uh, and I love ne- lo- that humor's always been there. It has, yeah. like, you know, or even even in the,
3: you know, even I think I'm, you know, without going back and rewatching it, like the the the, the battles episode, you know, this season, which was they has you know, moments, yeah. uh, uh, always, moments. They never there's forget always that, which moments. is why I think it elevates it above for me. It elevates it above the likes of Lord of the Rings. I know there's like, you know, like, funny little. Banter between the dwarves or whatever, but the wit that the wit of this <laughs> whatever <laughs> so whatever funny little banter between the <laughs> yeah. dwarves, or you know, whatever. which I found really tween annoying if I'm honest. <laughs> Whereas the wit in this show, the banter in this show isn't tween annoying. Mm. It's smart and it's yeah. clever. It's more adult, isn't it? Like you know, Tyrion saying, "Have you brought wine?" Yeah, you know, when Jon Snow arrives, all of that I thought that and yeah,
0: that scene was absolutely. Are brilliant. you master of grammar now?
4: <laughs> yeah, oh my god, genius! Using
3: say,
0: that, yeah, people have to yeah. tell they can't they can't write dialogue. I mean, fuck off. Yeah, yeah. no, that was that was lovely. I also love the bit of the when they all say oh long me around and is like that will improve
3: yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> the rearranging and there was a little that, that the re, before he rearranged the chairs when he sits, sits in the chair yeah. doesn't he and, the, and the, I thought he's act, I mean he's acting I know in, in the, people question his acting in, in, in Avengers film but in this where is it where's the handle <laughs> I, I cued that in this he is phenomenal isn't he he is, he is. the genius yeah. you know his performance is incredible always has been but he, when he sat there and I, there was a little kind of smile a hint of a smile playing yeah. Is like, I have sorted this whole thing out. Like <laughs> him sitting there, kind of like a little moment of like, I, I have literally decided every single thing that's happened mm. back to his glorious best, you know.
0: And I thought that was brilliantly subtle and brilliantly done. Speaking of things that are brilliantly subtle, the. Dropping of the a Song of Ice and Fire" on the table oh might be god. the worst thing they've ever done. Luckily, it was over very quickly, and we can all pretend it didn't happen. Yeah. But yeah. that was excruciating.
4: Worse than yeah. Will Smith in Suicide Squad for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, that's. I guess this is some kind of bar. "Song yeah. of Ice and Fire."
3: Yeah, oh. I mean, people were fine people were saying, you know, he, he was expect- people were expecting someone to say, "This has all been a bit of a Game of Thrones." Oh <laughs> that was the only thing that could have been worse. But I, I think it could have been even worse because it could have been, you know, like um, someone had to, that book could actually be what? the
0: book that the episode ends with the yeah. closing of the book, yes. That would it have could been, have been that. Yeah. I that mean, would have been the know, worst thing in, in the
3: it world. It nearly was. Yeah. And Brienne of Taft writing her thing, you know, she also gets to write. I enjoyed write. that a lot. That was lovely. Like mm-hmm. That was her writing that history of Jaime.
0: Do we do we see, because that's the book of brothers, do we see a lot of that in the series? I can't remember. You see it, it was, briefly. Jamie leaves through it in one episode. Yeah, I, I think recall. in season
4: four when he comes back to yeah. King's Landing. Um, so all the Lord Commanders
0: of the King's Kingsguard essentially write their accounts in this book. So yeah. she finishes his account and obviously that makes it clear that she's now Lord Commander of the Kingsguard, yeah. which is another yeah. lovely point. But the, there's a side, a, a problem with that. <laughs> and the problem is, Podrick Payne is also a member of the King's Guard, which oh. means the women of King's Landing are forever denied his magic cock. Because he's now celibate.
4: <laughs> the greatest sacrifice for the country. Yeah. Seriously, this is yeah. possibly the biggest loss of this episode. That is a good point. Yeah. Should have turned it down, got married. He was the women were all over him at Winterfell, got a nice <laughs> yeah. castle. You know, and just lived out his days. Yeah. Like he's he does not need more work. He doesn't. Poor yeah. guy. I know there was a time that Brian left out of the fact
3: that she, with, with with Jamie and then we when then we fucked should have been. It. Yeah, yeah.
4: yeah. Fine. I mean, <laughs> if someone that I hooked up with then died, I would not be like, yeah, he was great to his sister who was also sleeping yeah. with. I'd have been like, ran away, yeah. commitment issues. Yeah, weird hand. No, but yeah, it was it was really touching, and I think there was an interesting thing where Tyrion. Was trying to figure out where he fitted in with Sam's book, mm. and Sam was like, "Ah, you're not in it." And it's really- yeah, that was great. that was great. Not Sam's book; it's Grand Master Ebros book. Yes, was this is <laughs> this was Jim Broadbent, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was writing. It. Yes, 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 uh, yes. I, and I thought also thought sort of touching on that Daenerys kind of telling John how obsessed she was with the story about the Iron Throne and sort of which stories are getting saved which are getting told mm-hmm. and, and like Tyrion's not in that one book uh, Brie yeah, that Rachel, was Jamie's in there it was really like nice that was smart
3: of... yeah again you're thinking about there's nothing
4: smart that was brilliantly no, no, smart no 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 I'm not, not saying it's not smart you. You. I said they didn't
0: do anything clever which is slightly different what I'm saying is there was nothing in there that you came <laughs> away from this episode like shocked to the core like oh my god they did this thing mm. which, okay. a lot of, well, which a lo- not all finales need I'm just saying okay. I kind right. of would have liked something,
3: but that, but that, there was, but I think there are lots of clever, smart moments, and that was one of them where he is written out of history. I thought yeah. that was really clever, and yeah. yet he's absolutely making history. He's the kingmaker, and also yeah. um,
4: yeah. when he saved the city in season two, like mm. people were still thought he was like evil, and that's he's right. like, what, "What more do I have yeah. to do for you, people?" Yeah. But I
3: th- and the idea that the whole society is so ableist as well, and yeah, yeah you know, brand folks, the broken, brand broken, being end up being the king, and T- but Tyrion being written out of history at the same time. I yeah, was fantastic.
4: yeah, brand the broken. That's such a rubbish name. I know. It's not great, isn't it? I'd have
0: objected to that if I were him.
4: Brand the, See, knows brand the broken.
0: All... Yeah. Brand Captain Wikipedia. Like, brand the I know everything. Brand, brand the all seeing. <laughs> I know what you did last summer.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Filthy bastard. Seems a bit reductive, doesn't it?
0: <laughs> so then we get to the Stark montage, which I have to say was beautifully put together. Just yeah. the intercutting between like Longclaw and Needle and Santa being crowned and, and it all kind of silently playing out. I very much enjoyed that sequence. I mean, it's a, it's a bittersweet ending, isn't it? Which is what it always needs needed to be. Yeah, um, completely, yeah, and I and I think that, you know, it's John taking the black seems almost fitting in that regard because he was never more at home than when he was on the mm. wall anyway. Mm. And I like that when he gets there, torments waiting for him and actually there's no need for a night's watch because there's nothing to watch anymore. Torment yeah. and Ghost. And Ghost, yes. Come on. Oh,
4: come, come on, Ghost. On. He finally, Ghost finally gets some attention. Yes, to so a fan service. Yeah. What do you think cost more? Do you think Ghost in that episode or paying for <laughs> Cersei's £1 million an episode to just lie in the rubble? And and, and, the, and, the, and the wall being <laughs> yeah. magically restored. I was going to say...
0: No, no, because they're at Castle Black it's Eastwatch that got destroyed. Oh, okay, sorry. Cool. Um, I think you'll
4: find Boyd. I was just, <laughs> just going to say, is there a, do they not need to fix that wall before they well, start they it? do it?
0: Well, I don't think they do because I don't think... There's nothing to watch for anymore because the wildlings are no longer a threat because they're all friends and there's yeah. no more White Walkers. Oh, I mean, yeah, there are... Course, winter is coming Ice spiders anymore.
4: and mammoths and giants and shit, but, you know... Yeah, and some of those White Walker babies that haven't, you know, that haven't <laughs> yeah. grown up yet presumably <laughs> are just hanging out or in North North. Or, or America, exploded when the Night King died. Yeah, but I, I think I really liked also... The the start of the episode we saw Tyrion walking through this kind of white mm. landscape and then the episode ended with Jon doing similar and I yeah. thought that was both interesting they've both been kind of written out of the, the game yeah. um, there was yeah. a lot of walking
3: in that In that, there was a bit, there was big a lot walking, lot of walking montage in the end and I thought that was that was that, I thought that was beautiful
0: you saying this
4: orchestral swell yeah. of the theme and, yeah. that, and the music big, during that stark montage big shout
0: out yeah. to Ramin Djawadi who has done an extraordinary mm. job all the way through yeah. this' a soundtrack actually went on sale today oh. uh, but I was re-listening to my favourite, which is the season six soundtrack, which is incredible. Some of the cues on that Light of the Seven is amazing. Windsor Winter is amazing.
4: The Light of the Seven is that the one that they have in the episode where Cersei blows. Yeah, up? with the, the, with the, 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 the only p- time a piano
0: appears piano, on the soundtrack. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a lovely piece. But yeah, he did an incredible job with this. And just that last moment when you see John walking north of the wall to start his new life with the Wildlings, mm. it just—I think. Weirdly, that's the ending. Like as a final shot, I, was like, I couldn't have picked anything better than that. Certainly, better than a book closing with a <laughs> yeah. song of ice and yeah. fire written on the front of that's it. That's all, folks. Yeah, Sam exactly. At the camera. Yeah, it was. I, you know, I sat there staring at the credits for a while, but I didn't mm. feel cheated. I felt no. satisfied by Absolutely. it. and Ultimately, that's what you want from this. Yeah. yeah.
3: I, I genuinely, yeah, I thought satisfying is the word. That's mm. like, that's all you can want. Yeah, and whether you think it was smart, clever, surprising, whatever, yeah. it was definitely satisfying. And I do think I, I, I sit there, you know, reading five to four in the morning you know reactions from people going <laughs> oh you know the whole thing was fucking ruined and I'm like what have you been what were watching for eight yeah, years yeah, really if you're
4: not satisfied at all. by yeah. that I know yeah. who am I you can't, you I know, thought know, um, I just, of the four Starks conclusions I thought Arya's was the most unexpected yeah and, um, but then and, she's always been a lone wolf hasn't she and I'm yeah. not sure there's a place for her in but the I just thought she kingdoms might, well and also she's walked up and down the length of the kingdom about five times yeah. so she obviously feels like she's seen everything she needs to see in yeah. Westeros but I just thought that was something that I hadn't really considered like her place in the end of the story, yeah. so I thought that was kind of cool. is it, it really Until cool. the
0: further adventures of Arya, yes. released
4: go west. Well, <laughs> I <laughs> thought my my favorite idea for the spinoff was where's Drogon because Bran said he was looking for him, and yeah, I just yeah. thought it was just going to mean every episode he's yeah. just like trying By to. By the way, her. can we talk about Drogon not not
0: breathing fire, not killing Jon Snow? Well, <laughs> how sentient is? Is Drog- This Is my question. Well, How- I, you're supposed. I just- mean, you're supposed to assume. I guess it's because Jon's a Targaryen, and there's some kind of inherent m- oh, bond I mean. between the dragons okay. and the Targaryens. Fine. Also, it's unclear whether Jon's fireproof. <laughs> oh, but uh, right. which Daenerys kind of is. Okay. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I didn't think for one second Drogon was going to eat him or anything. No, no, no. Would no but, they random, like,
3: but they were definitely like they definitely establish some tension. Definitely like yeah. notably, absolutely yeah. did not like Drog- no- I'm Not happy.
4: I thought Jon yeah. really yeah. might happy. have to kill him too. Right. So did I. Yeah, my kind but of in thinking. the end, they just kind of—he just yeah. didn't
3: bother. And I thought, wonder whether a, you know, he just didn't. Drogon's a bit thick; doesn't realise he, know, he knows that he's, he's, his 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 mum's dead, mm. but doesn't know what how and doesn't put two and two together. Well, it's, the, it's
0: a classic dog thing. it sort of nudges the corpse, then yeah. picks her up to go and bury her in the garden. Yeah, right. Yeah. But speaking of stupid things, Drogon takes Daenerys' body away. So Jon Snow, in his eternal stupidity, clearly then went and confessed
4: to Grey Worm because there was no evidence that he'd killed her. Yeah, so he absolutely could have got away with it. Where's the body? You wouldn't believe it, but a dragon flew in. Yeah. <laughs> away yeah. with yeah. the weapon.
3: Yeah. And I liked all the people pointing out that Drogon had a very good um, understanding of the symbolism of
0: the Iron Throne yeah. to, uh,
4: <laughs> to uh, burn it down. Well,
0: the Iron Throne was, of course, forged by Dragonfire.
4: Yeah. So it makes sense that it was unmade yeah. by yeah. it yeah. as well. It did yeah. seem weird that he was like, do you know what? That is a symbol of yeah. destruction and <laughs> yeah. oppression and I'm <laughs> yeah. going to melt it because yeah. I'm the only one that can. Exactly. And yeah, I'm going to leave Jon Snow. I don't care about that. I was That's, hoping they'd again. maybe like throw it in the sea or something. I just thought
3: that would be quite. That would have been quite good. But I did. Th- I thought the melty, I thought that was a lo- That was another
4: very satisfying. Mm, and sounds got a nice Stark throne with little direwolves on the top. Yeah, that was completely, yeah. Oh, I didn't Queen see in that. the North. I noticed her uh, crown had yeah, a two little... direwolves. Kind of like it looked like they were sort of snogging. Actually, you <laughs> <He sort laughs> did actually.
0: Yeah, but I didn't notice that. It was better because the... uh, was it uh, when Rob Stark had it it? Was a much more sort of Spartan simplistic yeah. crown so she has a little little bit of touch to that
3: and not. then I wonder whether all the bookies are going to pay out on the answer to who wins the Iron Throne if the Iron Throne is, v- is actually melted that's, a, you, that's a very out? good
0: point yeah. Yeah. no one sits the Iron no, Throne because yeah. it is liquid just saying exactly <laughs> mm. so this series as a whole where do we think it stands in the grand pantheon Ooh. of things so I would say in terms of finale I'd say this is a good finale and bear in mind the greatest TV shows have rarely had the greatest finales mm. like you know uh, you can argue you, like, I'm not a big fan of the last season of The Sopranos uh, I know that's kind of a divisive Battlestar Galactica, amazing series, but again, finale incredibly divisive. I think this is may not be the greatest finale ever, but I th- it definitely does its job. It's a good one. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna knock it down for that. But what do we think of the like? Where do we think the show stands?
4: I think, I, I think it was a, a they, it was a good ending with the parts they had. Mm. I think it's kind of hard to say. Well, this was rushed and this was rushed. If you're thinking about the episode where we are before this episode that's set in stone now i think what they did with it was great and i just thought it it has kind of tied up enough it's left a bit open it was quite nuanced and i just did not think i'd be saying that about this season because the season has been quite adrenaline full-on um i think it will kind of be the saving grace of the show actually i think it will age well there was a mm. comment that um Tyrion makes to john where he says oh well see how we are in 10 years. And I think that's going to speak to the show as well. I think it will go down quite well. I'd rather this having a sort of wobbly final third but but landing quite smoothly rather than some shows which uh, I, I think Lost for me personally started off great, ended badly. Hmm. This for me seems like they've kind of come back to what worked. And there were moments in this season, I think the first two episodes, I remember watching it at the start of the season thinking, God, I never thought they would be this. Um, much humanity this much tenderness I thought it was going to be you know like a a superhero film Mm. so I think it'll go down well I think it will be well received and I think away from the glare of social media and away from the noise around the show because Mm. the noise around the show is louder than anything I think we've seen ever yeah Um, and the noise around everything is terrible. The noise around pop culture, in but general around this is, in
3: particular, and this particular yeah. is particularly it's, terrible. And I do, and I, I think the comparison with Lost is is is, is a really good one because I, I couldn't I hate the, the the ending of Lost, and mm. I think that was all about them just not knowing what the fuck to do with this yeah. thing they created, this monster, if <laughs> yeah. so to speak, of of a of a of an invention. Whereas whereas this. I just thought every, I, I mean I, you know, I, think, I think everyone's got completely carried away with how in, in, inverted commas bad you know the, the post J.R.R. Martin period has been I don't, I don't think I don't, it's but, bad at all but a lot of people mm. do I'm not saying you've said that I, but, but I, think, I said this West Wing thing as well
0: I think it's a different show but it's good yeah. in its own
3: right I, for mm. me I've still you know it's still been incredibly satisfying you know all the way through and I'm including both of these final seasons including you know people you know I think we forget when, when we reviewed the very first couple of episodes we were loving them you know and, I gave it five stars in yeah. Empire magazine for the first three right exactly so you know I think there's a, that's an already a myth has developed among for me you know people who don't know what they're talking about <laughs> that mm-hmm. that this has been a disaster and a, you know a complete kind of some kind of betrayal of everything we love about yeah. it. I think it's the opposite of that I think it's an absolutely satisfying I think the, the whole season has been satisfying I think it's had some fantastic moments I think it's had episodes that are up there with the very best um, of the whole thing of the whole eight years of it and I think it's, you know, I think what more can we ask for? You know, everything, everything that I've loved about it since that very first episode is still why I love it in this final mm. episode. And you can't say further than that. Unlike Lost, you know, I mean, I love the ending of The Sopranos. I think that, I think The Sopranos ending was absolutely perfect because The Sopranos is always about challenging, you know, the norms of narrative and the norms of TV, really. That was the whole thing about The Sopranos. It reinvented television and the ending reinvented endings. And that was, and so it was perfect. So I think people who hate the ending of The Sopranos, I split, I, I split entirely into I cannot respect you if you hate the ending of Sopranos. <laughs> I cannot yeah. respect you if you hate the ending of Game of Thrones. <laughs> well, it's,
0: good, it's good that you're not uh, in any way black and white. And there, not in any way think, dogmatic but, about uh, it. But. but no, I think I think. This series, I'm not gonna go out on a limb or say even close that Game of Thrones is the best TV show ever made, though I think it's certainly up in the pantheons of such. I do think that no TV show before has taken us on the kind of journey I that agree, this yeah. show Absolutely. has. Absolutely. If you look at the literal journey, I mean just in terms of sheer footfall kilometers, yeah. I mean it's been an incredible journey.
4: Yeah. yeah. These, well they uh, have those three production units, don't they? This is the thing, is they have literally triple the amount of work yeah. in multiple locations. I mean, if you saw the behind the scenes inside the episode thing from last week, they basically constructed a small town next to the Belfast. Yeah, set. and then destroyed it. And it was fitted with pyrotechnics <laughs> yeah. and, and it was like the, the, that kind of craftsmanship going into the show, I think that's what it's going to be remembered for. Yeah, um, You know, people have moved to Belfast for like 10 years of their life. They have, and it, it's been really interesting because I think with a lot of other shows I would watch I would never think about that. You know, with with Lost, just mm. to use another example, because that's probably the, the closest I can think Think of to a show that i was watching live on this sort of scale you know it was like oh yeah we all moved to hawaii and we're having a great time you don't think of it in the same way but this was a very physical show hmm. they did as much as they could physically they built and they blew up and and i think it will go down as um a really good example of that and i think it will hold everything else to higher standards.
3: and i think because it's you know in terms of tv there's nothing like it is there as well i think that's
4: so i do feel like almost like the we
3: do you do go to the avengers for the comparison because Mm. that feels like the biggest deepest narrative storytelling epic journey. Well, because it's a similar
0: thing, it's a rounding off yeah.
3: of a story that's been a decade in the making. Exactly. So that feels like the comparison in, in, and I think that in itself is an incredible tribute to this because mm. it is a TV show and I know mm. the budget, you know, if you compare I know the budget has been enormous in TV terms but not compared to Avengers film terms you mm. know what I mean? So I think managing <laughs> managing it in my sounds like I'm damning it with full but I think it's been an incredible storytelling feat up mm, there with absolutely yeah, It's that kind of incredible feat and um, and that's why I love the fact that storytelling as a theme and an idea is explicitly mm, there yeah. in that final episode.
0: And who would have thought when they started doing this that A, they could have adapted that story so well for the screen yeah. but also that they could have broken down kind of demographic boundaries in the way they did to the point where this is a cultural phenomenon that everyone is involved yeah. in and you are seen as unusual if you don't watch Game of Thrones and that's incredible given that this is a fantasy saga we dragons and God knows what else in it you yeah. never would have thought that
4: yeah I mean on Saturday I was in in uh, central London and I was queuing up for a coffee somewhere and there was two separate conversations people in this cafe kind of just mediating on the show and and it, it you know when you work in the media you do sort of think oh well we all watch it yeah But it is a reminder that it's kind of a a global thing.
3: But I think it goes back to the very first conception of the show, which remember that which was wasn't it was um, the Sopranos meets Lord of the Rings ish like that. Because it has melded unbelievably ambitious, character-driven storytelling Mm -hmm. of the Sopranos, if you like, and you know huge big themes and big ideas with you know the the kind of fantasy world building of Lord Lord of the Rings, and it's a much more profound kind of rumination without wanting is to sound too wanky on that kind of storytelling that you get in Lord of the Rings yeah. so it, it
0: has melded those two things that's why it's been I think that's why it's been this extraordinary <laughs> phenomenon it's, in the same yeah. way that Martin's books have done that it's like Tolkien is a template and it's a very specific yeah. high fantasy very binary template and Martin's was a much more subtle much more nuanced sort of bathing in the grey areas kind of take on fantasy mm. uh, and th- that's in the same way that that sits with Tolkien's books this sits with Lord of the Rings you know the films and it's uh, I don't know I, 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 but it's I, much better. But it's much better, <laughs> says Boyd. Tolkien <laughs> shit, dwarves chatting to each other. And I'm Nonsense. telling you now,
3: I don't like to, I hate to be one of those people who predicts in advance <laughs> what things are going to be like, but it will be definitely better than Amazon's Lord of the Rings thing as well. I, yeah, I don't think anyone's going to argue with that. I
4: can't look, I'm looking forward to not watching that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah on there there record. <laughs> well, Let's end on a positive note, though. Yes, indeed.
0: So, Game of Thrones, what a show, eh? <laughs> it's been fucking brilliant. We shall not see it like again. And that is it for another episode of the Pilot TV Podcast. As ever, we're all on the interwebs on Facebook and Instagram. Indeed, if you're not already being bludgeoned to death by Terry's relentless tide of Instagram story updates, then you're clearly not doing the internet properly. And if you've not yet gone onto iTunes and left us a five-star rating, then I don't even know you anymore. We'll be back next week with all manner of exciting small-screen goodness for you to watch. But now, as we stride boldly forth into a Game of Thrones-less world, it all feels a little empty, each and every one of us having left a small part of our hearts back in Westeros. We were the watchers on the walls, the shields that guarded the realms of men and women. And now, our watch has ended. Pilot out.